0: Yo, what's good, Harsh?
1: All good. How about you?
0: Doing well. Uh, Can't complain. It's a little chillier than usual in Florida, uh, but uh, I'm adjusting to it. How is the hurricane situation? Is it solved yet? Yeah, so in terms of Tampa, uh, not much happened. So it's just like business as usual. But my fellows in Fort Myers, some of them got hit pretty bad. Uh, Their basements flooded. So they're still getting that sorted out. Man,
1: how do you even get all the water out of your basement if it floods? You have to pump it out, right?
0: You have to pump it out. And some of that stuff is disgusting, dude. Because you'll see Snapchats of where once people's basements are flooded, there's all these rats that are coming out of the crevices. God they damn. Had, yeah, and they had rats in their place this whole time. And you're seeing it, which is pretty disgusting. Um, do you, do you ever see a rat before? Of course. In your house?
1: Yeah, I've held a rat. Ugh. I mean, you just catch it and you throw it away.
0: Don't you feel any sort of cringe feeling with that?
1: I do now that I, you know, live in the city and have a more, what do you say? I don't want to use the word civilized, but let's go with civilized life, but. Bougie. <laughs> Back in the day, especially in the village part of the world, people don't, they are not afraid of rats. They'll just catch it with their hands and, you know, move it around wherever they want. They won't kill the rat. Usually they'll just throw it somewhere outside. Mm-hmm. But I've had situations where like a mouse entered my house in the city because I left the window open and the mouse would hide into the sofa. And then you got to take it out and then you got to throw it out of the house or you know make a way for it to go out the window
0: you don't call your maid or your housekeeper to do that
1: they can help but it's a simple thing it's just you got to find a way and scare the shit out of the mouse so it runs out the window
0: man if i see a rat right now i'd be pretty freaked out like, <laughs> i don't know if i would touch it when i went to bangladesh last harsh one of the memories that i have is on my final day there, there was this certain stench that just came out of nowhere. And I noticed it first. My brother noticed it second. My mom's brother then noticed it. And we were like, what is that stench? And eventually, we found out that one of our suitcases landed on a mouse. So the mouse was dead. And it was a dead mouse, by the way. So I could have clearly just picked it up and threw it in the trash. But... I was just repulsed. I was like, yeah, it's not. Nah, I can't touch gross. that. I was like, "Lovely, who was our maid? Uh, Can you please throw away this mouse?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my mom isn't fond of mice either. Like, I think women typically don't like mice, but I think that's a trait with modern women because my grandmother, she would just take a mouse and like just hold it in her hand. It, it wouldn't bother her.
0: Ugh. Do you have a fear regarding... If you work regarding... in the
1: field, right? Like my mom, my grandfather, they used to be farmers, right? So they were working in the field. So they were very desensitized to say mice, snakes, spiders, and things like that.
0: Cockroaches. So for them,
1: it wasn't gross. Cockroaches were rare to find back in those days. You find cockroaches more in the city, but not in villages.
0: I don't really know why. Gotcha. In terms of your life, How much of your life were you in that village atmosphere?
1: Not that much, man. My family moved to the city after I was born. So it was just them visiting the village every once in a while. Mm. But when you're a kid, you have no fear.
0: That's very true. Where you'll see a a rat and you'll challenge your friends to be like, who could kill that first? (laughs) <laughs> but but as an adult, man, there's some sort of awareness that you have where do you have a fear regarding any ordinary animals? Like, are you someone that's scared of dogs or cats?
1: Not really. I used to be very scared of dogs, but not anymore. In fact, I kind of got over the fear of dogs because of the fact that. So this was maybe about, say, seven, eight years ago i'll actually go even back in time so how i got the fear of dogs was that when i was a kid i had a bunch of these dogs chase me around and that kind of made me really really scared of them but i would see all these random chicks and they would go and pet dogs and i'm like if this chick can do it why can't i i mean it's a chick. <laughs> so so i go and pet a dog i try to feed it and the response was positive where, you know, the dog accepts the food and, you know, doesn't bite me. So that's when I realized there's no real reason to be afraid of dogs. However, I'm still not fond of dogs. I don't like dogs. I think they're closer to vermin than they are to, say, a useful animal. But that's just my opinion. Especially the ones who bark at you for no goddamn reason, like the real aggressive dogs. Those are really annoying.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever hear the phrase man's best friend?
1: see that's a different type of dog, right? Like that's a dog that protects her sheep or animals and has some use. When I mean dog, I mean like a street dog in a city, which, which is completely useless. It's not doing anything for you or a pet dog, like a Chihuahua, whatever that shit is called. Yeah, <laughs> the, the really small, but really annoying, loud dog.
0: Dude, I used to be afraid of dogs as well. And it was a Chihuahua that helped me overcome my fear. And I was a lot like you, dude, where the fear of dogs, I don't know if you know this, is known as Sinophobia.
1: Man, why is everything, why does everything have a term like cynophobia?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's known as Sinophobia. Fear of public speaking is known as Glossophobia. Just your fun facts for today. Um, Man. But it seemed like you overcame the fear of dogs through a form of exposure therapy. Because when you run away from a dog, they chase you even faster. A lot of times where they initially wouldn't have chased you, but if you run, which is the normal fear that you have when you're terrified of dogs, that's when they start barking and chasing you. And I'm sure your one is like amped up way more because you're dealing with stray dogs.
1: I've heard that it's their instinctive response. When they see someone run away from them, they chase them. But Mm. I actually, the the exposure therapy thing, I don't know if it was therapy or not, but I would just go and pet a dog or feed the dog some biscuits. And the dogs would generally respond positively if they were hungry. So I never had like a bad experience with a dog that I fed or I went and petted. So I I realized there was nothing to be afraid of of them. But I am still, to be fairly honest with you, I don't like them.
0: Mm, like, you don't see the emotional connection with them.
1: See, it's a bit like this, okay? This creature is pretty useless if you just have it as a pet in the city. But you've still mm-hmm. kept it there, and all it does is bark at people, annoy people, and smell like shit. <laughs> so, what's the point? Yeah. Like, the owner doesn't smell it, but if you are in the elevator and there's a dog there, it smells like shit. And the elevator smells like shit for, like, an hour afterwards. So, it's not a clean animal. I don't know why people have it, but, I mean, they they can do what they want. Especially the loud dogs, like the Chihuahua. Fuck, fuck. What what is it called?
0: Chihuahua. Chihuahua. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The tiny tiny little one.
1: Yeah, the one that barks too much. Like, what's the point? You keep it in your purse? Like, that's it?
0: Yeah, dude. When I was living in Virginia for a while, uh, I was staying in this mansion and one of the roommates had a dog. So this is one of those places where you go, you get trained, and as you're getting trained, you get to stay in this mansion in Sterling, Virginia. It's the second richest spot in the entire US. So I like this mansion, but one of the roommates had this uh, dog and initially I just couldn't stand it. And I had the same perspective as you. Like, this dog barks a lot. It poops all over the place. You got to keep feeding it. It's annoying. But over time, what began to happen was that this dog, uh, I started to build this emotional connection with it. And like the first day I moved uh, to Virginia Hirsch, I was staying on the first floor by myself. And, you know, I was feeling a little homesick, I was feeling sad. And this dog, anytime I'm feeling sad, would just come downstairs and just keep me company. So I thought it was just one of those coincidences. But the more that I've spoken to dog owners, the more they're like, listen, my pet can actually read my mind. Like whenever I'm sad, my dog behaves a certain way towards me. And before, I used to be like, man, you're just imagining this stuff. But for pet owners that's listening to this right now, they'll be like, yep, that's Bucky. Bucky does that with me.
1: Mm, I see. So they're like emotional support in a way.
0: They're emotional support, and they, I've seen harsh, very stoic people, people that normally don't shed a tear or anything like that, when their pet dies, they cry like they just lost their entire world. And I was thinking about why this was like, why is it that stoic people break down and cry? Um, and I realized like the reason why is because your pet, like you could let your guard down around them where with a lot of people, like there's this certain mask that humans wear, but with your pet, like it's technically a roommate and it sees like all versions of you. So, uh, I've noticed that where if you ever go to a vet, you'll see like these big, swole looking dudes that looks like. They've never cried in their life. Breaking down when their puppy dies, for example.
1: It's like a family member, right? They get used to having them around and it's like the death of a brother in a way.
0: Yeah. So it's like that emotional connection.
1: Yeah, I know what you're talking about. What are your thoughts on dogs? Do you think they are useful or do you think they should be kept around in apartments and cities?
0: Yeah. I mean, so when I was in Bangladesh, like if I still lived in Bangladesh, I'd have a very dark view of dogs because I saw a lot of stray dogs and that's not what I would vibe with. But in terms of companion, I believe dogs are great. And when I was living in Virginia, like uh, there was this one time when this house dog got super sick and I felt it, man. I was just like, "Oh man, like this dog may actually die right now." Um, so I, I believe if you are someone that is living solo or going through a tough time, a dog is a dog is helpful. And, and this isn't something that I'm only saying. I, I've studied history, and I've noticed throughout history, many people have echoed the same sentiment of dogs are a man's best friend. It's like, that's the only thing that'll like be really loyal to you, n- no matter what. Um, Even horses, right? So back in olden days, kings mm, used to
1: great. love their horse a lot because the horse was really, really loyal to them. And the horse would save them in situations where they would normally die. So let's say that you are a king, you got wounded in a battle mm-hmm. and you lost consciousness. You would probably die. But if you have a good horse, The horse will carry you back to safety and to some doctor or whoever if Mm. you've trained it well so horses are also very loyal
0: that's a good point that's something i didn't hear about but i could see that for back in those days the context of what dogs are for us horses were for them even nowadays do 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 dogs or do horses have that stigma of being loyal? I don't know because no one actually uses
1: a horse for those reasons anymore, right? Mm -hmm. Today, horses are more of a sport or an exotic pet for rich people. But back in those days when we didn't have cars, people would have horses. Everyone would have a horse. Otherwise, how would you go from one place to another? So A horse was more more of a necessity of life than it is today. Today, it's more like, it's like having a typewriter. (laughs) It's something really cool. (laughs) It's
0: like a lot of people are listening to this and it's like, what's a typewriter?
1: (laughs) Oh man, a lot of people have forgotten the old times. I remember coming across these videos of these children who were asking their parents what, you know, they saw a floppy disk. And they're asking their pen that, why do you have a plastic version of the save button?
0: <laughs> There's this uh, one show called um, Ellen. Uh, she's this talk show host. And she has this segment in her show where she'll have the new generation try to figure out the technology of the past generation. And you remember how phones, like, they had that little spinning thing? <laughs> so spinning thing? Like, there was, like, before, like, um, before if you wanted to call someone, you didn't just click buttons. There was like this little spinning ah, okay, wheel
1: okay, on the landline stuff,
0: yeah, so they she's giving like the seventeen year old this thing they're they're trying to click <laughs> in the spinning wheel, and the entire audience is just laughing at them, not knowing how the old school um old school products worked, but it just shows how much how fast technology evolves.
1: Man, it's really, really crazy how fast tech evolves. Like if you read books written 100 years ago, their life was completely different from ours, like completely different. They didn't have internet. They didn't have computers. They didn't have any high-speed communication. They didn't have cars. So it was just in one lifetime, say 100 years, everything has changed.
0: It's changed and it's changed a lot.
1: A hundred years ago, the colonies system was still around. India was not a free country.
0: Right. And back then, what was their version of wealth? Like I, I heard in the agrarian age, the wealth was symbolized in how much land you owned. In the industrial age, it's who had the best machines. And in the information age, it's those who have the most timely information. Is it the same pattern in India? Or is, uh, is is land still considered king in India?
1: For most people, yes.
0: Mm-hmm. But to,
1: to expand on what you said, if you take someone who grew up, say, or who is a person of a society that was 500 years ago, like what I mean to say is, if you take someone from the year 1500 or 1600, and you bring them in 2022. What do you think will they be most shocked by? Say, take a European person if, to go with.
0: Mm-hmm. Shocked by in what?
1: Like, what do you think they will find the most shocking?
0: From the th- three different phases of wealth?
1: No, let's take someone from the year 1600 and you teleport them to 2022. Mm-hmm. What do you think they would be most surprised by?
0: The most surprised by? Um cars?
1: Sure, but it's it's a simple stuff. It's much simpler than that. They would be surprised by things like supermarkets, where spices are available cheaply for everybody. Because back in yeah. those days, they were like going all the way across over to the world, say the Philippines, India you know, all these smaller places like Vietnam, just to get spices. They would, most of them would die on the way. And now you have spices available everywhere to everybody.
0: Mm, that's so for then That true. would be
1: really, really shocking.
0: Yeah, and I didn't even think of the TV, for example.
1: The TV, see, all of those things, they would be like, okay, I don't understand it, so it's interesting and shocking of course, but See, for, I, I'll give you another example to help you understand.
0: Mm-hmm. If,
1: say, people of today, you were teleported to the year 2,600, what are you most likely to be shocked by? By the, by the technological progress or, say, something that's in no supply, like, say, oil, and we found a way to make unlimited oil?
0: I see exactly what you're saying. So I would probably be more shocked by the unlimited oil.
1: Exactly, because it's a problem in your time, right? Mm -hmm. So for you, it matters a lot.
0: Man, when you think like that, it just makes you so grateful for what we have. Because with spices, I mean, this was something that weren't wars fought over spices or battles, at least. Probably. I believe that's what the movie Dune is about. It relates with spices in some way. There's like the space war in regards to it. Even the fridge, man, I mean, back then, they didn't, to cool their meat, I heard they had to salt their meat a lot because they didn't have a fridge. So you're right in regards to that. Things that we take for granted, especially stuff that relates to us, the amount of progress that's been made is truly surreal. There was this... Now go, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead.
1: Now think like this, okay? In 100 years, everything has changed. Now we have cars, we have the internet. Imagine how different things would look in another 100 years.
0: Right. See, this actually ties into one of the talks we were having last time in regards to capitalism, where you can rail on capitalism a lot, but think about the innovations. Like, is it happening on a government level? Or is it... Like, who thought of the fridge? Who thought of the car? When the car was becoming a thing, it was seen as magic. It's like, eh, I don't know if that's actually going to work. And then there's a machinist named Henry Ford that's over here tinkering, playing around. He's fueled by a vision. And he has that idea that's capable of transforming the entire world. So, I mean, say what you will about capitalism. Uh, Sure, it's not the perfect system. But look at the amount of progress. Just even having that thought experiment of take yourself right now. You could be super broke right now. And the question is, would you be super broke right now or somewhat okay 300 years ago? And answer that question honestly.
1: Define super
0: broke. I don't know, bro. Because if you
1: mean, say, living in a slum in India... I I I it might actually have been better to be alive in an okay situation 300 years ago but it depends on where you were right 300 years ago back in india was not a good time yeah especially I mean, I, if you were say in bengal
0: i'm talking about if you have an internet connection but like your surroundings is not good like so slums i can't talk about that too much cuz i mean i don't know much about it but I'm talking about the hood in the u s, like there's a lot of people who know what the hood is like. a um, ghetto right? yes, it's it's a ghetto, and even being in the ghetto, I believe if you have an internet connection, especially nowadays, you should be able to figure something out for yourself.
1: Of course, um, but I know what you mean, but the assumption here is that you still have your memories, right? You still remember how you think and your mindset. I'll tell you what, I think I, I actually grew up in a chawl back uh, when we moved to the city. So it looks a bit like this. Let me show you. Hold up. It's similar to a ghetto, although I'm not sure if you've ever heard or seen it before. Hold up.
0: Can you see this? Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's very similar to a ghetto.
1: So I grew up, so when my family moved to the city, we were living in a place a lot like this because we were broke as hell. So one thing about these places is that when you grow up here, the chances of you having a mindset which are extremely pro-business and pro-self-reliance are actually not that high because the people who live here and the people you grow up around they tend to be somewhat of what do you say they are not people with an achievers mindset right mm-hmm. they're more like people who want to find a good job or rely on the government or who blame the government for their failures type of people or people who are just content with what they have yeah so if you go back say if you if you don't have your memories intact and you end up in a place like this then you may as well no longer have the mindset you need to be successful
0: i see what you're saying i mean that's known as the crab in the bucket mentality especially if one guy let's say he does discover a book or let's say he discovers some sort of article that makes him want more out of life and he's telling these other people in the chawl in the hood it's like "Eh, i'm gonna make it out of here i'm gonna become great uh, the crabs are just going to try to stick them back in the bucket. So I get your perspective in regards to that. Uh, but I would still say that with the information that's presented, you're still capable of figuring it out, uh, despite your circumstances. Um, and there's th- that's why I really like rap music. Uh, I like the rappers that talk about their rags-to-riches story, where you, know, you, you, guys, you have guys like 50 Cent. He grew up in like the, like the dark parts in New York, and you know he got shot nine times or seven times, whatever. He had bullets inside of him, and it just fueled him even more. Which brings me to a question, Harsh: um, Do you think entrepreneurs are born or made?
1: Born, actually born. both. Mm-hmm. But in my case, I would say I was born. But to to clarify something I said earlier, what I want to say is that regarding the people who grew up in these poor places, I think stuff like our content can be really helpful for them because it can actually help them get the mindset they need to be in to be successful. So in a way, if you have access to, say, websites like ours, Life Math Money or Money Talks, and you are, say, in a chol or ghetto, I think you have what you need. Because we're providing you with the actionable steps you need to take. Of course, if, you know, equal opportunity, unequal result situation everywhere.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: To answer the question you just asked, you have to repeat the question because I think I've forgotten and probably the audience has as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Would you say entrepreneurs are born or made?
1: It depends on what type of entrepreneur we're talking about. Because the risk-taking ability of a person is somewhat genetic. For example, I can take extreme amounts of risk and not feel a single thing. I lost over half my net worth last year and this year because of the crypto decline. It doesn't mm. bother me one bit. I'm still what, investing more. So,
0: Were you ever bothered by that? Like, Let's say even in the initial stages or it, you don't even feel it?
1: Not particularly, it didn't bother me at all. I think money never bothered me. I'm very comfortable with risk. It doesn't bother me much, but there are a lot of people who get really, really bothered by risk. For example, I have friends who invested say some ridiculously small amount, like a thousand dollars in crypto. And when it went down 20%, they were freaking out.
0: They were, they were losing checking sleep. Prices.
1: Yeah, they were losing <laughs> sleep, checking prices every day. And I'm like, dude, you you don't even have any money in it.
0: <laughs> so what are you worried <laughs>
1: about?
0: <laughs> so risk being genetic. I mean, that's interesting. Were you just to poke a little further? Were you a troublemaker as a kid? And I'll I'll explain why I'm asking this question.
1: I was as a kid, as a toddler, I was. I was very extroverted. I still am. Like I could talk to anyone anywhere. Mm. And I was a troublemaker in the sense that I would just go and, you know, push someone and just see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) I was very naughty according to my mom. I was very, very naughty.
0: Were you a good school student?
1: Mm -hmm. You were? Back in school, I didn't do a lot of naughtiness, especially when I was older. You didn't do do a lot of what? Naughtiness.
0: Oh, you did do a lot of naughtiness or you didn't? didn't? didn't. I didn't didn't okay
1: so i didn't do a lot of naughtiness so i was a super kid, which is interesting because my personality kind of changed in that phrase of my life and now i'm back to my toddler self in a way
0: <laughs> naughty <I'm>... naughty boy <laughs> <laughs> <Bah>. <laughs> no no but i've noticed harsh that a lot of like in india do you guys have like a b c d and f in terms of grading or do you guys go by numbers oh we go by numbers okay here we go by letters and if you're a student that means you're a really good student if you're a c student your average and f is for failure i've noticed that c students often think in terms of business because for a c student not to be an f student they need to be able to extract information correctly from the right group of people in order to uh, make sure that they somewhat pass. And during that school phase, when they are a student, they're cultivating a lot of the skill sets of an entrepreneur. So I've noticed a lot of people that are too good in school, they don't have that that gutsiness uh, that an entrepreneur requires. So they're too book smart. That's what I'm trying to say.
1: Could be, but this is not true in my experience. Like I'm aware of the stereotype where the nerd just works a job and the you know the poor guy who failed in school he drops out and becomes a startup tech billionaire, but in my experience, people who work hard at one thing tend to work hard at everything, and people who don't work hard tend to not work hard, and the people who are C students are typically people who don't put in effort, and their businesses, even if they start one, they don't succeed in them often. So I'm not saying that your grades are a predictor of whether you will be successful in business or not, but people who are smart, they work hard in school. When they start businesses, they do them well.
0: I actually have the polar opposite experience with that, Harsh, where there's been plenty of times where I've seen people that do great in school, but they, because what measures good quality in school I I agree
1: with you. I agree with what you're saying. You know, you need to have a lot of discipline and you need to follow orders to be well in school. I agree with you there. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is that the people who start successful businesses tend to be from the A students. Despite the fact that the majority of A students would never make good businessmen. Do you see see what I'm saying?
0: I I do see what you're saying. And and there is a lot of truth to that. Uh, I'm talking about just in generalities, Hirsch, one thing I've noticed um, is that, you know, just to go back to the initial question, are entrepreneurs born or made? This is one of those ideas where, in the initial stages, I truly thought any entrepreneur could be made. I thought, you know, this is just a skill set. Any, anytime uh, that you want to be an entrepreneur, you can be an entrepreneur. And nowadays, I'm more shaky in that idea because a lot of the entrepreneurs I've talked to, they have something intangible in regards to them. So I can't tell if they were born that way um, or what, but it's just a completely different paradigm that's required in order to build a business of any sort. Um, go ahead.
1: No, no, go ahead. I, I didn't mean to interrupt.
0: No, I mean, so, I mean, that was the, it with the point. So, I mean, I'm still unsure of this, I would still say entrepreneurs are capable of being made, but nowadays, you know, before I used to be like, man, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Like entrepreneurs are born. Ridiculous. (laughs) But nowadays, like I can see why someone's saying that, but I'm still on the side that you can still be an entrepreneur. Like if you're a worker with a worker's mentality, if you want it, I'm not saying like, oh, well, quit your job today and be an entrepreneur. But if you want it, I believe you could still acquire the correct skill sets to be a businessman. I
1: agree with you. I think both approaches work. I Mm -hmm. think that people who, if you say entrepreneurs are born, that applies to me because I was more entrepreneurial ever since I was a kid. And I always wanted to be entrepreneurial and I would never accept having a boss. Even as a kid, I just rejected the idea. So I would say I was born as an entrepreneur. But I, I can I've also seen situations where an entrepreneur was made like he was molded in that direction by his family. And that's how he became an entrepreneur. Like his family encouraged him to start a business. And that's what he did. But I will say that everything is a skill set except for balls. Balls you have to be born with or <laughs> it has to be put into you when you're really, really young.
0: Yeah, like having the guts.
1: If you mean entrepreneur as someone who runs some kind of small side business, makes 30 40k out of it, then that can be made. But when we say entrepreneur, like someone who takes extreme risks, like say, I don't know, quitting your current job completely out of the blue and starting a business because you had some vision or or doing something completely new that you have no background in, mm-hmm. that typically is something you are born with. It's a personality. It's a personality trait.
0: Mm, interesting. I, I love having talks like this because it always goes back into soft skills, where you could always look at the tangibles to a certain degree, but eventually, to see when assessing if someone's great, you gotta come back in the soft skills territory where there's this a very famous quarterback named uh, Tom Brady. Uh, he's known as the greatest of all time now. But when he was coming up, no one wanted to draft him. Like he didn't get picked till later on. It's because all the scouts were just looking at like him. Like he looked like this chubby white guy. He didn't look athletic. He he didn't look like he could throw far. But all the people, like they missed his like the look in his eyes like the the gutsiness and nowadays like you know everyone just regards him as the greatest of all time in his respective industry and the number one mistake a lot of these uh, experts make is they're like you know we looked at everything but the intangibles like his cojones, his balls uh figuratively speaking of course <laughs> 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 so it's the guts man um
1: yeah, business requires guts. It's not something you can do if you are not ballsy, in the sense that you can have money, you can have intelligence, you can have time, energy, but if you lack balls, you're fucked.
0: Some people harsh. Did you ever notice like they make better sidekicks than the leader?
1: Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of people wrong. like that. There's yeah, a lot dude. of people like that.
0: There's nothing wrong with that from what I've experienced. Like a lot of these podcasts, like one guy is like normally like leading the show and the other guy's there to just amplify the process. And it's even like that with a lot of businesses where someone has a right-hand man. And sometimes a person's right-hand person is their spouse. So uh, I believe it's great to get the negative stigma of being a sidekick out there, where you can be a leader in certain parts of your, your life, but in other parts of your life, something means way more to the other person So if you can take in the role of, okay, I'll be the sidekick in this particular interaction. What can I do to make your life easier? The entire transaction would go so much smoother. It's ideal, right?
1: You don't want to have too many cooks making the food because it ruins the food.
0: Yeah, you need a sous chef.
1: Yeah, you need a hierarchy in a sense, but you need people with complementary skills. Right. And I think that I think that the culture kind of looks down upon anyone who is in a supporting role. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, say, anyone who is in a leading role. But there are many situations where the supporting role is way more valuable than the leading role.
0: And you'll see a lot of times when the supporting role leaves, that's when the leading role starts to fall apart.
1: More or less, yeah. It depends on the complexity of the task. But usually, usually in any company or any industry, you have one person running things. It's like a dictatorship in a sense in any good company or any good business. And you have other people who listen to them and follow him and make sure that the vision is executed
0: oh yeah th- that's true and th- there's like so the many board of
1: directors is a bit of an illusion in most board of directors that i've seen there's one guy who calls the shots yeah and when there's not one guy you know the company is in trouble mm-hmm. because the leadership is divided
0: yeah, I, you, you need that one guy to set that vision that gets the whole ball rolling. But yeah, I mean, like the whole, the sidekick role, I believe it's something that more people who are looking for that, like that, like let's say they don't have the balls, like they don't have the guts, and like they don't want to put themselves as like the centerpiece, then see how you can amplify someone who's already doing a great job. In engineering, there's actually a component called the amplifier. It gets a pre-existing voltage source and just makes it bigger. So you could buy a voltage source for cheap, and then you can get the amplifier to get the circuit functioning. So rather than viewing yourself as a sidekick, view yourself as an amplifier. And it just gets you thinking the correct way.
1: How does this stuff work? I've always wanted to learn more about it. The whole volts and amperes and... What is the
0: other one? What? Uh, Man, like these kind of stuff, it's difficult to explain. It's one of those things where like you could work through circuits, but the best way to picture electricity is to picture water. Like anyone who's curious about the topic, just look at water electricity analogy, and you'll see how it works without hearing about all these extra wording that's just going to confuse you. But all that um, the voltage uh, requires is pressure. So um, the more pressure that you have, the more uh, you can make electrons move, and the electrons moving equals electricity, and that functions the different components in a circuit. I was
1: watching this YouTube video, and they were saying that electricity is not actually electrons moving, where well, it's just supposed to be something that's taught to people as a simplification, but electricity actually comes from the magnetic fields around the wire. And not from the electrons moving themselves.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, th- th- these are one of those things where, like, you know, you can learn it in theory, but to learn it in practice, it's just certain mental models help you to get the circuit functioning. You, you see what I'm saying? Hmm. The- I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I um, back to the sidekick thing because I actually do want to give you people an example. Um. I have this one YouTube video that is um, that's recommending the top storytelling book of all time, and this is before I wrote my book on storytelling. Anyways, I, I was over here recommending um, Carmen Gao's Storyteller Secret, and to this day, this video gets a lot of uh, it just brings in um, revenue or viewers, and from the viewers, uh, a lot of them buy the actual book. Now, the cool thing about Amazon affiliate program, even though it's not too much, you get percentage sales of other people, right? So let's say you sell the book and someone enters your link and they buy toothpaste as well. You get a percentage sell for the book and toothpaste. And you get
1: the sales for the next order.
0: Yeah, so throughout the span, Harsh, since this video has been live, uh, I've seen a lot of strange uh, purchases. I've seen people purchase like Carmen Gallo's book, The Storyteller's Secret. Then they purchase a bunch of adult sex books right after. Mm. Some people buy toothpaste. Some people buy light bulbs and so much more. But look at how much revenue this video has generated. But I'm not selling my own product. So if some people can think like that, where they don't always have to create something out of the ether, they can serve as that middleman who allows all parties to win. So if you could think like that, not only do you improve your social skills, but you can carve out some sort of a niche for yourself.
1: Man, do you know that when I used to do Amazon Affiliates, Mm -hmm. I would, for some goddamn reason, I was selling a product that I was recommending an ebook that would help people get over porn. And for some weird reason, I would make all the money from that recommendation on the sale of sex toys. So people would... (laughs) You know, go on Amazon, you know, click my link, and then buy a sex toy. And I don't get it.
0: They try to overcome porn, but instead they buy a sex toy?
1: Sex toy. (laughs) Whoa, okay, dude.
0: (laughs) Man, that's that's crazy, man.
1: So it was like money I didn't even want where, okay, I'm happy to have the money, but not by selling a sex toy. Like,
0: I didn't want this money. It's blood money.
1: It's blood money.
0: Yeah. Did you ever have other moments like that where you were questioning the morality of your business? <laughs> because well, for... it's,
1: it's happened a couple of times, but go ahead.
0: No, because with Life Map Money, like you're over here empowering men. But what about your overall business journey? Was that, that one moment where you're over here second guessing yourself? Sort of. I remember this one time
1: where this was. some years ago and this older gentleman now he left me a bunch of these emails and his emails were all like this guy's life story and all of his problems and he's asking me what should I do now and I'm here thinking wait, I'm just a guy on the net what are you doing I I can't solve your life's issue where it, it was a complex problem right he was asking me about his health issues and he gave me essentially a complete background on him and mm-hmm. at that point, I, I was like, I'm not fully sure if I should be the one giving you advice here because, dude, you're 50, maybe something. And your issues are things I haven't experienced yet. Like you have, say, medical disorders, whatever, your wife. And it was at that point where I realized I should stick to topics for a younger men. Because Mm. it doesn't make sense to attract an audience of people who are older because I don't have context on their issues simply because I'm not old yet.
0: Right. And Like if your knees hurt,
1: I I don't really know what to do. Like, If your knees are starting to hurt, you, you can't go out as much. How do you make friends? I mean, I'm probably not the right person to ask. I can give you an answer that might be good based on my experience, but... I just haven't experienced these things. So I can't give you something in particular.
0: Interesting. That does happen, man, where someone will want advice and they're at that point in their life where it doesn't matter if you're younger or whatever, like they just need answers and they respect you life math money because you have a lot of great insights, but then they, they, may go overboard or they're like, okay, well, solve my personal problems for me as well. It's like, bro, I don't really know you like that. I I need more context. Life, math, money. Should I quit my job? Yes or no? It's like, bro, I mean, I need to know more information. And more importantly, even if I have the information, it's not up for me to decide. It's up for you to decide. Uh, You could gather the advice, but you got to eventually make the decision yourself. Yeah, to top it off though, some
1: problems people have are so unique that they need advice from someone they personally know, or they're just so culturally, what do you say? They're a niche issue that say, for example, if I ask you about a problem that is only faced by Indians, you are unlikely to be able to give a good answer. So a lot of things to have a solution require that the advice comes from someone who has experienced the same issue or at least can relate to it or knows people with the same issue. Now, if you're asking me something like my knees are starting to hurt and I did XYZ surgery, my kids don't talk to me. Just not not my realm of expertise, right?
0: Right. Th-
1: so that's that when is- I was questioning myself, like maybe am I portraying myself to be the you know the guy who knows everything because I don't.
0: Well, that is the side effect of creating content online, where that is a side effect where people are going to come to you with life questions at times. So
1: life questions are fine, but see, I think it's a side effect of being anonymous, right? Where people kind of fill in the blanks with their own head and they assume that you must have every answer to everything. And I'm just a person who lives my life. I speak from my experience, but I haven't experienced everything on the planet. No one can do that in a hundred lifetimes. Mm-hmm. So I think people don't get that. I think that that's an issue with any kind of mass communication system. I have some friends who are celebrities and they will sometimes meet people who will think that they know the celebrity because they've seen them on TV or movies and they, they in their mind, they know this person. Mm-hmm. But for the actual person, it's like, the other guy is a stranger right
0: yeah i mean that's true i I was go ahead
1: so the the image in in this in the person's head that he thinks he knows this person on some level it's just for the other person the the first guy is a complete stranger so there's an issue there because when they hang out, it's like one guy thinks, okay, we've been friends for at least six months, and the other guy is like, I just met you. Mm-hmm. Things like that. So I think mass communication has this issue of familiarity. Well, it is is—it is a way, you know, the business itself is in a way scaling familiarity or friendship in a way, but it's not actual familiarity.
0: Right, its it's more so one-sided.
1: Exactly, it's one-sided.
0: Bro, this has happened to so much people. And it was more drastic in 2000s. Where, have you heard of Michael Jackson? Yeah, he was a guy who did the breakdance thing, right? Yeah, the moonwalk. Uh, he was a very iconic singer. He's known as King of Pop. Uh, he was one of the guys that was haunted by fame. Because a lot of the media turned on him. They called him like Wacko, Jacko. Uh, a lot of the stuff. But he was one of like the biggest like stars around the world for a while, um, and he could sing. Wacko Jacko is a good
1: name. I like that one. <laughs> Wacko
0: Jacko. <laughs> Wacko Jacko. Uh, but he, you know, like every now and then, like he'd see a fan, and like they'd come and they'd be like, "Oh my god, you like hel- your music helped me cure my depression," and he's like, "Thank you." And now, you know, because a lot of individuals like they'll listen to music when they're going through tough times, so his song is being associated. With pulling them out of that dark time, so now they feel like they know them. They're like, "You cured my depression, not your song, but you." And they're over here asking him a lot of like questions. They want to know more about what he can do, and you know, he had to remind them. He's like, "Look, I'm just a singer. I'm just a dancer. Um, th- these other deep stuff, you should, you know, find someone else to help you out with." Uh, but it just does show that like content does have a practical effect on them but every now and then it can create a form of god complex to the content creator yeah
1: it's something people should avoid especially with me like i don't know everything so i'm gonna say that outright Like there are things i don't know anything about especially with things i haven't personally experienced or studied which is a lot of things so i'm far 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 closer to human than any god
0: I notice every now and then you just write your age <laughs> on Twitter. Yeah, it's
1: for this reason. It's for that reason only. It's for
0: that reason. Okay. Are you aware that Michael
1: Jackson was a black guy?
0: Yeah. Um, wait a minute. You didn't know that technically, did you? Like you don't what know this? Do well, no, because like because you don't follow like music that much. No, so... I
1: am aware of Michael Jackson. He was really popular in India
0: okay okay no but I you probably I was
1: I was never like into his music back in the day because I felt like he had a very childish voice like blah 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 <laughs> instead of like a normal sounding voice so I just couldn't get into his music but people love that stuff like they would do the moonwalk and everything back in say my school days
0: no, no no the reason I'm asking like did you know about like the Jackson 5 era like when he was actually black Uh, Like he had the skin disorder called, I don't know if it's vitiligo or vitiligo that turned him from black to white. There was a lot of scandal. Uh, Like, you know, that's when the press began to turn on him. They're like, look, he doesn't even like his own heritage. He's going from a black guy to a white guy.
1: Ah, so here in India, they would say he had some treatment done to go from black to white.
0: Oh, okay. See, uh, so dude, I got really curious about Michael Jackson recently because. I was a a kid when he was, like, getting crucified by the media. Like, he was, um, you know, uh, he had a lot of these sexual allegations against him from minors.
1: kids and everything, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, my childhood, all I remembered him was as, like, a a freak, with all due respect. Um, (laughs) And then, I believe he died in, like, 2005 to 2007 era. And, I mean that's when, like, the whole world, like, in terms of media, like, stopped. And, like, everyone was just mourning because he was like this. Like, India knew him. Australia, Canada knew him. But I didn't really think much of it. I was like, ah, oh, whatever. But recently, you know, I was just studying the guy. And I was like, man, like, this guy had huge influence. Like, unlike any other generation, like, he's influenced a lot of, like, song and dance. And, um, like, think about this, Ar- Harsh. At age 21... He was a 15-year veteran in his industry that just shows you how early he started in his craft so yeah so he has a lot of insights on how to like pursue mastery
1: he's an interesting fellow for sure i can see why people thought he was a freak because he (laughs) looks like one yeah I mean a, like, this isn't like a regular look right like <laughs> the eyes are too wide and this thing and i don't know i don't know like maybe it's normal for Westerners, but in india like this would be considered some kind of deformity with the face
0: oh yeah he got plastic surgery done i believe he got it done on his nose and maybe his chin
1: i don't know it just looks weird i think that's why people thought he was a freak
0: mm-hmm.
1: in the sense that if you say if you point to a random guy and say okay this guy rapes children." you'd be like, no, he. you need to provide proof. But when you point out to someone who looks like this and you say, this guy rapes children, I'm not saying this is how things should be, but most people would just accept it.
0: Yeah, That's true. There was actually this one time he was saying that he gets lied about a lot on the media. But what happens is the media will keep repeating it. And it's like, if you repeat a lie enough, that becomes the new truth. So anytime he would go outside, people would bring up the lie to him. And even his own family members, like they began to believe the media as well. So, you know, his story is very fascinating because you see that arc. Like he started off as Jackson Five, superstar. He's like a five year old, uh, singing like like a grown adult. They used to say he had so much soul in his voice. Mm -hmm. Then Harsh, like, you know, he grows up in the industry around age 24 to 25, uh, he creates thriller. Which is the highest selling album of all time. Uh, he was he, still
1: black when he did that, apparently,
0: yeah, he was still black, and then I don't know normal
1: when he was black, like he, the black version of him looks very normal,
0: yeah, and then like there was a period where his dad would always say like your nose is so fat, like his dad used to bully him a lot, right like he used to hit him with a belt anytime he would mess up a certain what piece, yeah, so like it like it traumatized them, so when he no started shit, get, bro. Like, when he started hit to get by a belt. Yeah, when he started to get famous, like, he's like, okay, well, I have to, like, fix my nose. So that's his first ever brush up with plastic surgery. And, you know, like, the rest is history, man. Like, when you could see that you could change how you look, it's just going to, like, you just are going to keep wanting to do it.
1: Yeah, too much plastic surgery just makes people look off. Like, maybe, you know, if you fix one thing, it looks fair enough but you you try to get it done on every part of your face then it just looks weird like, Look, yeah. Like this is not a normal look
0: no no that's not a normal look
1: like this looks like a girl who kind of had testosterone injections
0: mm. <laughs> so his bodyguards
1: uh, after but his i death- think the guy looks way more normal when he was black
0: yeah, dude. Like after he passed away, his bodyguards did interviews. They're like, "Don't be fooled. Michael Jackson used to get laid a lot. <laughs> he used to go yeah, on a of lot first. of dates and stuff. It's just like a lot of people thought he he was gay." Um, but because
1: of how he looks, probably. Yeah, like this is not a guy, is it? Does it look like a guy to you?
0: Nah, nah. He looks like a, a girl in that.
1: You know, you said that when. When you repeat a lie long enough and loud enough, it starts becoming the truth. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of recent times, you know, safe and effective. Stay
0: indoors. (laughs) (laughs) That's true, man. I mean, anything like you said enough times, like people, their operating system is just going to change. Do you know who the guy in the blonde is?
1: Michael Jackson, right? He looks normal here.
0: No, man. <laughs> the, the guy that writes Michael Jackson. The guy on the no, left. But this is the white version, right? Like, he became white. <laughs> no. Okay. So, oh, Eminem. You know, it's Eminem. That's Eminem. Have you heard of Eminem?
1: I've heard some of his songs. He just speaks too fast, though. I don't get his songs. Yeah. Like, I need to read the lyrics to understand them, but he just goes like, blah, 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 blah. like slow <laughs> down, dude. Slow
0: down. Slow down. <laughs> yeah. So, at that stage, he was like the king of rap and he was making fun of Michael Jackson a lot. So, Oh, he was? Okay. Yeah. So overall, man, I mean, it just shows you the dark parts of fame. Like he called himself the loneliest man on the planet. And like he had so much wealth, riches and all of that stuff. But like um, there was controversy in his family. Like he didn't know who wanted to be his actual friend who just wanted to say that they know Michael Jackson. So this was a very like a haunted soul. The more that you get to know him.
1: That's the case with all extremely famous people, especially people who are famous for some kind of artistic skill. Mm-hmm. It just haunts their life and ruins it in many ways. Yeah, now, this guy can't get out of his house without security. Is that a life worth living?
0: Nah, man. I mean, you're always walking around with bodyguards. You- Let's say you're on a date. You want to go for a kiss. Like You got to tell your bodyguards, hey, like go back in the car. I'm going to go for (laughs) it. (laughs) I wouldn't want to
1: be Michael Jackson. I mean, you're rich, but it's a shit life.
0: Yeah. Dude, there was this one day where he rents out this grocery store because he really just wants to experience what it's like to get a shopping cart and go down the grocery store. So he rents out the entire place and he has his own family and friends dress up as patrons in the grocery store. So there's this camera that's just following him as he's having so much joy, just going down the aisles, looking at the milk, looking at the grapes. I'm like, (laughs) man, like this guy is like, he really does not live a normal life. Like he's so excited. He's like his inner boy is coming out. He's like, look how cool this is. And he's like, you know, riding on the shopping carts and all of that stuff. You know, think about it. Like, this guy became famous when he was age 5 to 6.
1: Ah, right. He never had the normal life.
0: He never had a childhood. He's over here practicing non-stop at his craft. Anytime he messes up, he gets hit with a belt. I mean, this guy did not have a normal life. And it just shows you, like, what he had to do to become so great at what he did.
1: Man, the belt thing is freaky. Getting hit by a belt?
0: Huh. Uh, that's I, crazy. A lot of see people like hit their kids, though. Not, would, not with a belt. belt. Mm.
1: I mean, some people probably do, but it's not for this type of reason. It's for like a very serious offense. Right. So you ca- get caught drinking. That's when you would get hit by a belt mm-hmm. or like taking drugs or something like that. Not because you made a mistake in your homework.
0: Right. So, I mean... So when he passed away, harsh when Michael Jackson passed away, a lot of people were were like trying to blame someone. So they ended up blaming the doctor who gave Jackson a lot of drugs. Yeah,
1: like he he died from a heart attack, right? Yeah. I wonder why a lot of these people die from heart attacks.
0: Because they have trouble falling asleep. So they get a, a lot of these drugs to fall asleep. They become reliant on the drugs, and one day they take more than they should have and that's when it happens
1: yeah that's really shitty right to become reliant on a drug to sleep
0: Mm -hmm. i had a roommate before before who would who could only sleep when he took nyquil i'm like bro i don't know if that's nyquil it's like a cough syrup like you're supposed to like if you have a like a cough that's when you take nyquil it soothes your neck you can go to sleep you wake up and you're starting to feel better This dude would need it to go to sleep. And I'm like, bro, I don't know if that's healthy, dude. I I think you may actually die in your sleep. And and when I phrased it like that, it it just scared him. And he he didn't do it again. (laughs) Sometimes you got to scare people, bro.
1: Yeah, but you got to scare people for rational things,
0: right? That's pretty rational. Like, You you need cough syrup to go to sleep.
1: Yeah, that's something to scare him for, but... To put the risk of death in it is a bit too much, but I get what you mean.
0: I don't know, man, because I- I'm telling you, like a lot of these rappers, they die because they put the- they have this thing called syrup, and they put like cough syrup, Sprite, and apparently the drink comes out really good, but they get reliant on that. They get heart attacks at young ages, and then they die. So, cough man, syrup- those
1: people are crazy. Just to sleep, they're doing this.
0: Yeah, some people do weed.
1: Have you tried melatonin?
0: Uh, I don't know. I mean, what is that?
1: So it's a hormone that your body releases that tells your body it's time to sleep. A lot of people use it to help fall asleep.
0: Nah, man. Like, these sort of stuff, like, if I can't pronounce it properly, I don't know if I'm putting it in my body.
1: So... This was like earlier last year when I was really, really busy and I would end up staying up till 6, sometimes 6.30, 7. And I would wake up at 2, 3. I was just that occupied with business that I it became impossible for me to start waking up at a more decent time without compromising on, say, a week or two worth of productivity. Mm-hmm. So I gave this thing a try, melatonin. It works but here's the caveat. You need to get a really low dose. If you just go online and look for melatonin, you would get like 5 mg or 10 mg, mm-hmm. which would make you so sleepy that you would be sleepy for like four days straight.
0: Ugh.
1: For me, I'm, I'm, I'm 90 kilos and three grams of melatonin was so much that I was feeling sleepy the day after this, the night after the day I took it. So I think a good dose is closer to one and a half grams, two grams, but there is some issue there where some university has a patent on all doses below a certain amount. So the ones that you find in the market are just the high dose versions, but you need to get your hands on the low dose stuff because the high dose one just makes you too sleepy.
0: Like you feel sleepy throughout the day.
1: You feel sleepy throughout the day. You can't drive correctly. And it's just pretty much useless.
0: Are there any side effects other than that? No. Like, it's something you your body
1: naturally makes. You're just okay. taking it as an external thing. It's like taking creatinine. I mean, mm. I'm not a doctor, right? So keep that. I should put the disclaimer here. Give me a you second. I all the
0: answers, bro. <laughs> like,
1: harsh <laughs> is not a doctor. <laughs> Ad banner. Adve- hey. <laughs> 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 so Parsha's is not a doctor but i tried it and apparently it's not addictive at all and doesn't have side effects but i kind of stopped using it because i felt like it wasn't probably not the best thing for my body right mm-hmm. i need natural sleep so i just reduced my workload delegated a bit more and had more time to sleep on time yeah, the disclaimer. I, mean, I think I think this disclaimer should be around forever.
0: Yeah, just keep it in, in the episode just in case we say anything else that requires it. A lot of addictions and stuff start off, I noticed, with extreme pain or troubles falling asleep. The pain part makes sense because like when you're in extreme pain, like you'll do anything to get out of it. The sleep thing, I mean. I can see why, because let's say you're going through a tough time. Um, one of the things that is the first to go is your sleep, because either you're having trouble falling asleep or you have a trouble staying asleep, or you may get a nightmare and you just wake up out of the blue moon. So I'm not too surprised why a lot of these like famous people like that were just crowded with negative publicity began questioning their own self-worth, eventually uh took certain drugs to fall asleep
1: i think it's also the fact that it's so available for them right where if you're a celebrity it's it's extremely easy to get drugs because it's very common in your industry and people in that industry are likely to encourage you to take them oh yeah. so it's much easier to get into the habit
0: not only that that's a really good point because it's just accessibility and you're always surrounded by yes men too where people like in your inner circle a lot of them are just like yeah yeah you could do anything and that may be good because it makes you think big but you also need some pushback as well where a lot of these famous people they get to curate everything in their life and eventually they start to get yes men like with the Michael Jackson thing he began to make his worst decisions when he moved out from the tyrannical reigns of his father. But his father somewhat kept his creative genius in check. So when he left, that's when he created this like Neverland place. He started to, you know, be a little bit more reckless with his life. So you need that certain person that can every now and then push you back as well. True, but
1: there's, here's one more aspect for it. Outside of your family, people don't really care about you. No matter how famous you are, they don't care about your well-being. They kind of have some things they want from you, and that's what they're in for. For example, let's say that you are a singer. You have some manager whose job it is to get you these contracts. And the manager, say, takes 10% of what you make. Now, for this manager, he doesn't give a shit about your health. He wants you to be able to do shows and to do them well. So, if the manager notices that you're having trouble falling asleep and giving you this drug will help you out and you'll be able to perform better, the manager is going to give you that drugs. he's not going to care about your health or your well-being. He's there to make money and you're the tool that helps him make money. So from a lot of the, the perspective of the companies, the manager, the support staff, the artist is just something it's like a prop right this guy does the show Mm -hmm. and this guy must therefore have energy and should look vibrant it doesn't matter whether yeah he's the horse it doesn't matter if he's in good health or not he just has to look like he's in good health so even if it shortens his life or anything they're just going to give him the drugs so that he can perform in the next concert or show or what have you
0: yeah and then they're off to the next one to the next artist
1: yeah to the next artist and i mean it's fair i mean i don't blame them
0: i don't blame them dude but there's like such darkness that's involved or have you heard of muhammad ali
1: the fighter right the boxer
0: Yeah, man, when he was starting his career, he literally said that because back then you needed a a backer to like, you know, back your fights and such. And the backers normally were these millionaires and these millionaires wanted a proper investment. And a lot of these millionaires not only invested in fighters, they actually invested in race horses as well. So (laughs) there was a certain period, dude, where Muhammad Ali like literally felt like he was a race horse. Like he gets in uh, with a shiny uh, coat on. His investors are looking at him, and whenever the investors are looking at him, uh, the investors will bring their dates. Like, hey, look, that's my fighter, that's my racehorse, and Muhammad Ali like literally (laughs) felt like he was being pimped. And so it it just draws into your connection where you know when you have these backers, like yeah, they'll probably give you a lot of these upfront payments, but eventually it's like do they have your best interests at heart?
1: But this is how it's, it has to be, right? Because in this industry or profession, you're the product.
0: Hmm. So if that's
1: you're what, the product, you will be treated like the product.
0: That's why you got to boss up, bro. You got to also understand the business side of things. So you're not taking advantage of, you'll see like artists do their best work in the early part of their life then they sign some of these for lifetime record deals and then eventually each time they fall out with their record labels and there's this like civil war between the two so you gotta as an artist understand the business side of things as well
1: i would say most artists don't have a choice right where it's a it's a thing where they're all competing for attention and attention is limited and the way people get attention is via advertising or being promoted and the industry that controls all of the promotion are these big corporations so if you are say an independent artist and you can't find someone to promote you then it's not likely that you will ever be big on the other hand if you sell your soul and you just accept the payment this company gives you then the chances of you being successful or famous are really really high so they don't have an option.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This is just how it has to be in the system.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you want the mainstream success, um, that's what nowadays. I don't think the mainstream success is what it's hyped up to be. Where back in the days, like the only way that you'll actually make it worthwhile to be uh, an artist was to like have mainstream success. That's the only way it could be lucrative. But nowadays, if you have some savviness, you don't need mainstream success in order to make a couple of, uh, like, million a a year.
1: Agreed. I think that before the internet, these people who were intermediaries, they had far more power than they have today. Because today, at least, you can succeed without these people. You can have your own marketing, your own social media accounts, and market your own stuff, have your own YouTube. But back in those days, when it was all about CDs and, you know, Being published and being on the A list, whatever it's called, the Billboard 200. (laughs) That would be controlled by these people who ran these industries. And if you were not someone who was on their payroll, then you would not make the top song list.
0: Oh, yeah, you could get blackballed so easily.
1: Are you familiar with the death contract?
0: Mm -mm. what is that
1: i was watching this the death clause so i was watching this youtube video about the death clause in the music industry and the way it goes is something like this when you sign up for a record label the record label will get insurance on you in the sense that they're investing so much to promote you that in case you randomly die they get their money back from the insurance company and what they would do is that, let's say that there was an artist who stopped making money suddenly or you know wasn't pulling in as much money. The, they would hire the mafia or in many cases, the rock record label itself was mafia owned. They would go and kill the artist and what? get the insurance money. And the, the next thing that would happen is that when the artist died, a lot of people would suddenly remember the artist, right? Like this person died and then the music they would have made would get a boost in sales. A lot of artists, they, they made their stuff makes more money after they die than when they were alive. Simply because when you die, you become slightly more immortalized and people remember you and just, I don't know why, but that's a thing. So these companies are, a lot of them are mafia owned. And if you don't perform enough, they kill you.
0: That's interesting.
1: Yeah, like the, the entire concept of Turing as a thing in music was also created by the Mafia. It was? It was, yeah. They came up with it.
0: Man, it just makes you look at a lot of these recent rap deaths in a completely different context.
1: Yeah, it, it's really crazy. It, it It's truly insane. And a lot of these artists, if you like, talk about it to their families. They're like, this guy was not on the verge of killing himself at all. And then suddenly he committed suicide or, you know, they died under very mysterious circumstances.
0: Oh, yeah, man. I mean, what you're bringing up, that's not something I'd be like, oh, man, that's impossible. That'll never happen. That's something that could easily happen, especially in something very ambiguous like the music industry. And a lot of rappers, man, they, they die at such a early age. Like, there was a guy recently, a PNB Rock. He's around our age, and he's over here eating food uh, at this Waffle House place. And someone just comes and shoots him, and they snatch his necklace off. And what? it's just, yeah, dude, it's it's very daunting because this PNB Rock guy, like, there's some videos being released of him where he's like, uh, trust me, I live in the, like, uh, like nothing's going to happen to me. Like, no gangbangers are going to attack a guy like me. And that's known as testing the streets when you try to challenge gang bangers to see how real they are. And it just has that eerie vibe. It's like, oh man, that's exactly how he ended up actually dying. He was only 30 years old, uh, one of the brightest artists. So, yeah, so this is PNB Rock. uh, Harsh is pulling up his image. And, you know, he died. And especially when you're eating, Harsh, you know, it's like when you're eating, there's that it's like you're in a very vulnerable position. Like there's you're going out to eat you're with your girl. Um, I don't know like the truth of it harsh, but there was some talks that said that since his girlfriend tagged the location, that's how the gang bangers were able to find him. And apparently that's what led to the death. I don't know about the accuracy of this, um, uh, but yeah, 30 years old,
1: man. That's crazy.
0: Yeah, man. Um, uh, He's a bright, okay. he's a bright talent as well. Like his career was just getting started. Footage.
1: Oh, Okay, so he got shot in the head or something, or shot in his legs. There's blood here, but not here. Crazy,
0: I'm pretty sure was, yeah, dude. So, uh, so now it just makes me think. Like, was this coordinated? Like, what's the details with it? A lot of these ominous videos are coming up, bro. Where like gangbangers were like giving him warnings. Is like they were threatening him as well. So when you know the backstory and how someone dies it just makes it life is short man like this is the main thing oh is that uh mac miller No, that's mac miller that's xx dancion that's i don't know the guy on the left
1: so there's a documentary on this i don't i don't remember which one it is but it's on this death clause shirt, and they kill the guy. Like the, the label will go and kill the guy. Yeah, this one, the one hour twenty-three minutes.
0: Mm. I'm definitely the label check that out.
1: Will kill the guy just for the insurance money. And you know, the boost in sales. And a lot of them were like found in mysterious places. I'm gonna show you. Okay, I don't remember. There's no point playing all of it here, but to give you the short version, some of these guys were very clearly killed. For example, this one guy gets kidnapped from his house, then taken in his car, then kind of like choked to death, then left in the car alone. The police does no work. They just say he committed suicide. And that's it. Mm -hmm. So the police were probably bribed and... You know, these guys got paid by the insurance company and the money that comes in when people hear an artist dies. So that, that's something I found to be
0: interesting. But it's a risky profession. Like, Who thought singing would be risky? Who thought, man? I, I mean, there was this one DJ that's like, being a rapper is one of the most dangerous jobs out there right now. At first, I thought that's the most idiotic thing I've ever heard in my life. And then like all these uh, these stuff, this news starts coming out start getting more context and you're like, huh, it's probably uh, more dangerous than I initially thought. How common are these gang related shootings and
1: deaths in your country? I've heard there's a city called Chicago where in the US where there's a, this is very common.
0: Oh yeah. So, so Chicago, there's certain parts which are infested with gangs, same with California. So it depends which part of United States you come to. But certain places, like it's gang dominated. And a lot of these gangs, Harsh, um, to their neighborhood, they serve some good as well. Like, whenever there's a rival gang trying to threaten their community, the local gangs will stick up and uh, fight them off. Uh, It's one of those Robin Hood scenarios. Uh, But um, overall, like, a lot of lives are lost in gang violence and shootings. And there's a lot of stray shootings where you're trying to shoot a certain gang member, but you miss and you hit like an innocent six-year-old. It doesn't happen too much, but it it happens in certain parts within the U.S. I saw this video of some guy in Chicago, and he just
1: recorded like 10 minutes in Chicago at night. And all you can hear is gunshot after gunshot, like pew, 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 pew. (laughs) Like, whoa, okay.
0: It's terrifying, man. And you'll see how people are initiated into gangs as well, where if you grow up in that surrounding, like that seems like the logical thing to do. Like, yeah, join the local gang. Every now and then, Harsh, these gangs see someone who's special. Like, let's say like this particular guy is a special talent and they'll be like, no, we're going to protect you to make sure you get out of the neighborhood. So gangs have a lot of bad stuff. But They also have this, uh, like, sense of morality for their own. It's it's a subject that I found very interesting. I don't know, man. I think that's
1: something they do for PR. Like the Yakuza from Japan also used to do it. But at the end of the day, these are extremely negative for society and the people who are not a part of any gang.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, that we're in agreement on. But I thought, like, I thought like these guys were just like complete thugs that just we're trying to just show how boss they are. I'm like, why are you guys in gangs in the first place? But if you like study the initial reason for the gangs starting, uh, there's like some sort of backstory, like where they were being um, taken advantage of in some way by the government or some sort of police uh, policing. And that's how the origins formed and they grew from there. So it's like a complex system. Yes, it's a virus, but my curiosity is, how did the virus get started?
1: I've heard that it's because of a lot of fatherlessness in these areas where mm. children yeah. will find solidarity. And what's the word for it? Protection in a yeah. gang, a yeah, brotherhood in a gang, which their family can't provide them. Because I was the statistic is that black people tend to have 70% of them have no father in their life. or They're born out of unwed families. That's the statistic I saw I'm not a black guy so I don't really know how how it'll go how life goes for them so I can't comment on it but I would say that if you have no father and then you find brotherhood here and these people are say friends for life and you know live or die then that would be something extremely attractive for a male teenager
0: oh yeah uh, so there's another reason a lot of kids join gangs. Brotherhood is one of the biggest ones. Uh, And uh, other times, if you're not in a gang, the rival gang will just beat you up. So (laughs) there is like this situation where like, you know, if you walk in certain neighborhoods and you're not a part of anything, that means you're not protected. Uh, Some people call it like checking in or something like that. So I had uh, a friend. An easy target. I had a friend whose brother got sent to prison for 15 years. I'm not going to talk more about that. Uh, but, he, like, his brother was, like, in there for a pretty serious crime. And, like, in the initial stages, he was all for himself. This guy is brown. And how many brown gangs do you know? <laughs> so, I don't know. I, uh, I, is it not common? I don't think it's common at all, man. So this guy's in prison, and he sees that there's, like, all the black guys are hanging out with one another. The Spanish people are hanging out with one another. The white people are hanging out with one another. So let's say a white guy, like, leaves his squad. If a black gang member kills this guy or like shanks this guy, uh, it's really easy to get a sharp utensil. So that's what shanking is called. Then you know that the white gang is going to look to return the attack. So that's why the black gang and the Spanish gang are like, no, you don't attack our people and we don't attack your people. So it's smart to have people. If you don't have any people, then anyone's just going to be like, okay, well, you know, there's no consequences. So apparently, uh, this brown guy that got sentenced to prison, let's just call him Derek. Uh, Derek. Come on, man. Come on. Try harder. Okay. Okay. Uh, Raj. <laughs> <laughs> Raj. Uh, Droof. <laughs> so so, Raj ends up getting picked up by the the Spanish people because they're like, uh, you kind of look like us. Um, so once he got picked up by the Spanish people. He was safe. So brotherhood is important. But other times it's like depending on your environment uh, to be safe. Like Yeah, you need a tribe, right? You need a tribe, man. I mean, you go back to the primal self. Your prisons are crazy. Like this this kind of stuff
1: happens. That's unheard of. I don't think it happens anywhere else.
0: Oh, yeah, dude. And it's not only just shanking. There's another thing called um, flipping. Have you heard of that?
1: No, but I it- can guess
0: yeah what's your guess
1: probably raping them yeah yeah cc uh, come on man come on That is messed up
0: that's disgusting i don't even man. know why i know that yeah but apparently that happens a lot
1: it does whoa that's crazy
0: yeah and a lot of times like if let's say a guy is sentenced to prison for life uh they're never going to see another woman again so now Like they're in there, if they're in there for life, that means they did something very serious and new people are coming in. A lot of these people that don't have a gang, this lifer will look over them if the newbie is like, Yes, you can have sex with me. So it's the fuck. It's so disturbing, dude. It's like prison is one of the darkest places you can ever be.
1: No, see, that's an American prison. I don't think prison is like this everywhere. It just happens where, it just happens in that country.
0: You'll be surprised, dude. I I mean, when you're in prison for life, a lot of like these primal stuff comes out and it'll shock you.
1: Sure, but this requires a certain amount of negligence or complicity on the prison guard's part. Yeah. You don't keep hearing about prisoners dying in India. That just doesn't happen. Like, it, it, If it happens, then it, it just doesn't show up anywhere else. But I would be really surprised if people were killing prisoners a lot, like in large numbers in India. But you not keep hearing about though. that.
0: Yeah, not large numbers, but it happens. Like, would you say, like, it, I would say it happens, like in any sort of prison. Because it's not that difficult to get, like, these illegal weapons smuggled in.
1: See, I think that someone who is in for life, he has nothing to lose, right? Like, what Mm. are you going to do to him? He's already in for life. Put him in for two lifetimes. (laughs) Yeah. So then they can do whatever they want, right? Unless you have some severe punishment for him. Have you heard of Ross Ulbricht?
0: No, I have not.
1: So he's this guy who founded the website Silk Road. So he was essentially an online drug dealer. Mm
0: -hmm. And this
1: guy gets sentenced to life in prison forever like he his, he lives in a solitary prison so he just lives alone in his prison cell and he isn't allowed outside so this is the 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 harshest sentence they can give you and apparently if you are say a murderer a rapist you get 10 15 years but this guy gets sent into life for running a website and the harshest type of prison so i think in In, say, the USA, it's completely crazy how they imprison people for things like this.
0: This is a very strange case to me because this is not even a violent crime.
1: It's not. It's not. It's just a guy who made this website where people could sell drugs on the net and he got caught. And this is it. Like So this guy, Ross Ulbricht, and his cell looks like this. Hold up. A oh, prison cell. It's this lonely ass room, and he's supposed to be in there for life. Okay, for some reason, I can't find it. But his sentence is super, super long. It's like he's gonna be in for the rest of his life. It's a double life sentence plus 40 years with no possibility of parole. That's crazy. That's, that that's insane. overkill. Yeah, that's overkill for starting a website. This guy was like in his early 20s. So that's crazy. Oh, the way in his that 20s, these, not early, but 20s.
0: Yeah, the way that these sentencing works is that they also factor in the tiered effects, like how much gang violence or killings were caused from the website which I don't agree with. Like if he is just here creating a website, I don't think he should be sentenced to prison for the same amount of time as someone who actually killed someone.
1: So this guy's website apparently did not cause any such crimes, but what he was doing was that he was challenging the United States government. He was saying things like, you know, fuck this government, let's topple it Mm. over, drugs should be legal. And (laughs) this looks like some kind of revenge (laughs) that was taken on him.
0: See, you could mess with a lot of people, but you don't mess with the government. Because th- then the government, what you would have initially been sentenced for, the government will triple that.
1: Oh, this guy has a Twitter account. Interesting.
0: <laughs> you should follow him. The rare few people at Life Math Money will follow.
1: Oh, I have more followers than him. That's crazy. <laughs> You're a celebrity, really, bro. Right? No, man, let's not get there.
0: So you mentioned a few times that you know celebrities. Are there anything like, like, do you see them with security guards or is that even needed?
1: Typically, it's not needed. It depends on the person, right? If you know someone who's really, really popular, then they need a security guard. And then you can't really be friends with them because it's just too annoying. You can't go out. But someone mm-hmm. who is, say, mildly popular, who is, say, people have heard of them, say, they work in some show or something, then you do... No, you can go out with them whenever you want. You'll just be bothered by people. I meet a lot of these types at my gym. So,
0: hmm. interesting.
1: I mean, I don't particularly care, but they just tend to be cool people who like having fun. So, good to know.
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of these people also get stalkers. Like, if you're a woman and you're very like attractive, you're well known you're going to have some stalkers, man. And some of these stalkers are creepy where they'll be like, I'm watching you. And to prove that I'm watching you, I'm going to turn off and on your TV right now. And they're doing that. So a lot of these stalkers are like very good with technology. So they're like over here infiltrating these people's lives. And when you have a stalker on you, every now and then you have to get the FBI involved. And the FBI will be like, you live your life how you normally live your life, uh, so we don't want these stalker to know that they're being uh, they're being watched by for. PI. Yeah,
1: they they being looked you know looked for.
0: Yeah, some of these stalker cases can go up to like two to three years. So your life for two to three years is in that level of uncertainty.
1: Have you ever had a stalker?
0: Yeah, dude. So I actually had this weird stalker in my freshman year, and everyone thought it was funny. But, uh, like, my freshman friends or, like, it was this girl uh, who, man, this was a weird story, man. Uh, her her name was, like, Alexandra. And we, um, we were in the same dorm together. And I remember like, we were also in the same class. So we were over here um, tutoring each other. And one day uh, she, like, found out where I lived. Like, which room exactly I was in. So she wanted to like hang out like i didn't really find her attractive like that but i guess she found me attractive like she wanted to go on dates and i'm like nah nah i'm good and one time dude like i'm over here sleeping and i wake up and she's in my fucking room what that's crazy yeah she's like hey i was just waiting for you to wake up i was like what the heck how are you in my room and she didn't say it man but um there were different places where i go by myself or with friends and she's there and i'm like to like my buddies i'm like yo man i think this chick is actually stalking me and they're like haha oh, you're the man bro <laughs> i'm like oh, man i, I, I think she's crazy dude <laughs> it, i don't know what happened with her like eventually she ended up moving out that freshman year but This was spooky, man. Like, this was also around the time where, like, the Jodi Arias girl have you ever heard of her? No, I have not. Let me see, let me get her actual name. So, there was this uh, girl named Jodi Arias who killed her boyfriend, but she killed him in a very brutal way. Like, she slashed his throat, stabbed him 27 times, then (laughs) shot him after, right? And she looks like She's pretty, like, attractive. Like, she looks pretty hot. So you wouldn't expect oh, sh- that. Can and you spell she- the
1: name? Let's find out. J-O-D-I-A-R-I-A-S.
0: J-O-D-I-A-R-I-A-S.
1: J-O-D-I-A-R-I-A-S. Okay. Oh, so her boyfriend's... This isn't a hot
0: check. Come on, man. Come on. No, no, no. Like, this was actually a part of the case. So um, look at her, like before the actual case, like when she was a blonde.
1: Oh, she used to be a blonde? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this looks good.
0: Yeah, so here's what happened. Like, she was actually attractive, but once her case started, she wanted to, like, look less attractive. She wanted to look more mousy and, like, like this innocent good girl. Like, she was apparently, like, this crazy chick. Like, you kill your boyfriend, you stab him 27 times, then you shoot him after. Like, that's terrifying. But it showed me, like, these... Like, for me, before that, I was just like, oh, well, if it's a girl, like, she's not going to harm a guy in any sort of way. But I, like, around that time with the stalker, I was like, wait a minute. Some of these girls are capable of, like, these weird stuff. Mm -hmm. So it got me freaked out. But nothing happened, as you can tell. But you never know. That's crazy. To shoot someone after
1: stabbing them 27 times? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, aren't His, you
0: sure you killed him in 27 stabs? <laughs> well, apparently she was crazy, dude. So, well, duh, she was crazy. But even when she was dating him, one of this guy's friends was like, hey, I won't be surprised if she kills you because um, apparently she would like be obsessed with him. Like, she'll, she'll always follow him. Like, even after they broke up, she would move closer to him. Like, She'd fly different states to get close to him. Like, She was a psychopath. But she doesn't look like a psychopath. She looks like a very sweet girl.
1: Yeah, man. That's crazy. That is insane.
0: This was a big case, bro. Like in 2011, like 2012, it was a big national case. So what happened to her? Did Was she killed by the state? No, man. They sent her, her to life in prison without the possibility of parole.
1: Yeah, see, that's not fair punishment, right? Like, for murder, the punishment should be, you know, getting hanged or something, not this. hmm So I I think that this is just, you know, wasting the money that you guys pay in taxes to make sure that she lives 60, 70 more years. Come on, like, that's not fair. So not only did she kill someone, now she gets to live for free.
0: Oh, yeah, man. And she did some interviews where... You know, she's very good with her words. She made it seem like, Oh well, you know, I, I was the victim and this. I was like, What? Like what are you talking about? You know? <laughs>
1: That's the thing with women, right? They all need they know they know how to do that. They know how to sound like the victim. They'll just They'll, start crying and look innocent wear conservative clothes and you know, act like, you know, they they aren't like the feminist chick at all and you know the silent girl who gets <laughs> oppressed by everybody, like
0: well that was a very like manipulative thing that she did like she went from this very hot blonde to literally looking like this she or she didn't dye her hair brown it's apparently naturally brown but she went back to it being brown she put on glasses like you know like looking all helpless like oh, yeah i killed my boyfriend but here's why and that sort of stuff harsh can actually influence the perception of the jury because a the jury, they're just average human beings with personal biases. They could be fooled and all of that stuff. So so yeah, I mean, she was very, very strategic in her way of thinking.
1: So I, I'm not sure why, but okay, let me ask you a question. Would you say pick a death sentence over living your entire life in prison?
0: I'd probably pick the death sentence. are you
1: sure though are you sure
0: i don't know if i could like literally live in prison just whatever i got into prison for it must have like it must slowly kill my soul so it's like my life is pretty much over
1: let's say that let's say you didn't do anything wrong okay let's ignore that aspect of it let's say that it was a false accusation and they they somehow convinced the court of it and you have been given the choice okay can you either live in prison or die
0: then I'll live in prison because I've seen a lot of these cases where they reopen the case and you know, you're deemed innocent. That's not a possibility. Let, let's assume
1: that that's that can't happen. You can't escape the prison or be, you know, let out. You have the option of staying alive in a cage forever. You'll be looked after. You'll be given food, etc. You won't be raped in prison. Let's say, you know, let's say that you're not in an American prison. You're in a prison in a different country Okay. They're not going to rape you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, all the extra stuff is not happening, go ahead and entertain that. Yes, I'll still stay in the cage.
1: No death for you?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm talking about one of those things where it's like, you know, you're in like the the crimey stuff. You did something bad. It's like, bro, you might as well just die at that point. Like, if, if it's that bad, like, do you believe in the death penalty? I believe in the death penalty
1: because, you know, in, in some cases, it's the only just as possible, right? Like there was this one guy, his name is Ajmal Kasab, mm-hmm. And this this motherfucker, he, he comes with this gun from Pakistan and he kills like hundreds of people in Mumbai. Like he goes to these hotels and he's essentially a terrorist and this attack terrorist group. They kill hundreds of people. They shoot up the police station, sorry, the, the train stations, the hotels and everything. Mm-hmm. And wow. hundreds of people are killed and i mean there there is no fair thing you can do to him except kill him if you let him live then it's just it's just a shame for the family members of the people who he killed right
0: oh yeah dude i mean these sort of people i mean you can make the moral case and everything but like just think about it like yeah,
1: think about the families of the people he killed like what would they want And they would want this guy killed and that's what he should get
0: oh yeah man I mean, and a lot of these cases, man, some of these people will kill someone else and then they'll plead mental insanity.
1: Yeah, man, that's a bullshit defense. And I'm like, like, man,
0: that's that's BS, bro. There there was like, bro, one of the very shocking shows to watch, I believe it's called like In Courthouse or something like that, uh, or Courthouse Documentaries, something like that. But it actually shows people as they're getting sentenced to like in prison And there's so many times where like, you hear these shocking stories where there's this guy that's coming out of the bus. He just has been working all day. And this guy comes out of nowhere, just shoots him in the back of the head. And on the actual sentencing day, they're saying the murderer was apparently insane. And the judge is letting this guy go to some mental health institution right in front of the deceased boy's parents. And the parents are like, this is Freaking ridiculous, man! Like yeah, this guy. Really is. Yeah, this guy should lose his life too. Just like he took someone else's life. So this is a very shocking, like thing. If you see it harsh, a lot of people they just kill other people for no reason. There was this. There was this case in, in um Tampa. Actually, there was a serial killer loose in the Tampa Bay region. And this guy was apparently just killing homeless people. Mm. He didn't know the, the easy targets,
1: people. the easy targets,
0: yeah. But apparently, this guy was like a realtor, like, he was a pretty well established realtor, <laughs> and
1: he's a serial killer. Man, it's like it, you can no never tell. House? <laughs> do you want to be my customer? He's like, I have your money, I'm homeless. Okay, then no need to be here Bro, raising the of- price of the real estate around.
0: <laughs> oh, no. He's probably doing the opposite, man.
1: <laughs> uh, oh, he is, right? Like, if you take out the homeless people, the value of the houses go
0: up. Oh, you're right. May- maybe that's why. So it's probably for no reason. Like, that's why he was doing it.
1: Like, you know, if I kill two homeless people, it would make all the homeless people, you know, get afraid and run away. Mm-hmm. Maybe the value of the houses would go up. I'm just guessing. I don't know.
0: No, But you're... go ahead. Well, with serial killers, Harsh, they're very, they're very charming a lot of times. Like if you've ever heard of BTK or uh, there was this one white uh, serial killer uh, played by Zac Efron in the movie. Let me, let me find him out. Do you know him?
1: I have no idea. I don't know any serial killers. I never looked into it.
0: Ted Bundy. Uh, so uh, Ted Bundy uh, was this. Like if you look at him, like, even when he was being sentenced with crimes, like for killing a lot of people, he had groupies. You know what a groupie is? someone who wants to have sex with you. Yeah, so he killed all these women, but there were like a lot of women that were like, "Whoa, he's hot." <laughs> <And> <laughs> so he was getting he was getting mainstream exposure, and I believe there was a period where he was representing himself in court. And he's very charming, like blue eyes, like he was like over here flirting with some of the judges. So he he killed all these people, but people were like this guy really no look at him like he couldn't have killed anyone so a lot of um serial killers are very very charming and they seem just like a normal person
1: that's freaky man that's freaky Mm-hmm. serial killer and you have these chicks who won't have sex with him like come on come on girls come on
0: dude he had a fan club man
1: serial killer See, that's the thing about women right like they, they, Their sense of morality is completely different from our sense of morality. Um,
0: go ahead. Uh, expand.
1: In the sense that for a lot of women, if you say, I have been to jail, it's very hard to them. As opposed to if you tell a guy that you've been to jail, he's like, <laughs> oh, okay, I should be careful of this guy. <laughs>
0: Something must be wrong with him. <laughs> I need to stay away from this dude. What? <laughs> have you ever had someone... Um, do you know anyone that's been to jail or prison
1: I know someone but it was I I know a couple of people who went to jail but it wasn't for say a physical crime it was more like they scammed somebody Hmm. like it was a bank and they kind of had they did something with that bank this was before like I I know this guy now I, I didn't know him back in the day when he actually did it this was before I was born and I think it was something like um, they took, they, they signed something which allowed this bank to give a massive loan to somebody, but that loan was never recovered. And these guys signed a document that kind of said that, okay, this guy is going to pay the loan back and they're financially capable, et cetera, et cetera. So they kind of certified the loan documents, but it was all fake.
0: Oh, Fraud.
1: Yeah, it was fraud, yeah. So that's what they went into prison for, not for, like, killing somebody.
0: Okay. I, I feel as though, I mean, I may be wrong, Harsh, but India, I mean, I don't really see a serial killer emerging from India for some reason. Um, it, it seems like there's more, like, there's, like, certain crimes that are acceptable, but, like, there's certain crimes that, like, you guys can't even fathom.
1: See, India is a very conservative society in many ways with, where people are generally content and everybody knows everybody so it's unlikely to have a serial killer here in western societies it's more people are more isolated right and when you are more isolated you have things like this where people go crazy
0: yeah i could definitely see that i'm I'm googling if there has been an india indian serial killer before i'm seeing a name but i don't know if he's actually from india or if he was born there and he came to the US. No, it says he's Indian. His name is M Jaishankar, uh, named Psycho Shankar. What? Wow, what a creative nickname. Was an Indian criminal, sexual predator, and serial killer notorious for a series of rapes and murders during 2008 to th- 2011. So it may happen, but yeah, I mean, I do agree with you where I believe due to the family unit, You don't really have time to like, you know, be by yourself too much and like stew on these negative thoughts because to be a serial killer and not be caught for years harsh, it, it shows a certain level of intellect as well, where you're not just one of these brutes that's just randomly killing people. You're very mindful of the steps that you take, um, there's actually this new uh, Netflix series that's coming out. Uh, it's based on Peter Dahmer. Um, Peter Dahmer. Let me see if that's the name.
1: And so I, I'm looking at pictures of people who are serial killers in India, and damn, okay, I wasn't aware that they were they existed here.
0: Oh, do they exist?
1: Probably some of them, at least. Like we have a huge population, right? So it's very likely that they do. In fact, I am aware of, say, I have a few friends who used to live in slums or who's, who still live in slums. And back in the day, say, 20 years ago, in these slums, if you would go at night, they would just kill you. They would take your wallet and your watch and your phone and they would cut you up and throw you in the gutter. Hmm. And he was telling me that this doesn't happen nowadays, right? Nowadays it doesn't happen. But back in those days, you couldn't cross a slum at night, they would just kill you
0: interesting so you guys have your version of gangs as well not
1: exactly gangs i mean you do have gangs but this is more like an opportunistic crime where there there's no consequence right you live in a slum let's say there's like a million other people who live in the slum it's extremely crowded everyone's poor and you're someone's crossing the slum so if you kill this guy then you get his money and you're never going to be caught so gotcha.
0: You yeah. probably
1: had gangs, but they were not like formal gangs with a name and things like that. Oh, there was a woman serial killer as well. Interesting.
0: Whoa. Yeah, so. It's called
1: Cyanide Malika. Huh.
0: <laughs> I'm seeing what she looks like right now.
1: Uh, I'm sharing my screen. Hold up. Let me share my screen. Damn man, that's crazy. That is insane. Can you see my screen? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cyanide Malika. Let me Google this stuff. Search Brave for See, that's the fun
0: thing about these episodes. Me and you learn along the way. (laughs) (laughs) Her name was
1: Katie Kempapa. Kempama. So years active. Okay, so they have like a career.
0: well that's what separates a serial killer from a regular killer where what you're talking about harsh or like the they're robbing people in these slums i don't necessarily know if that's a serial killer versus just a brute killer serial killers have to have some intellect some planning some foresight um and they're they're very very charismatic where i guarantee if you read through her stuff like she probably was a good talker
1: probably probably Like he has to be right
0: yeah she was
1: given another death sentence and sorry go ahead
0: no because you're like they they have a career (laughs) yeah it's
1: like years active you know you have musicians right like years (laughs) active
0: (laughs) which is not funny by the way but it's just like that's how they probably perceive it because they have this ordinary life a lot of them have a family they have kids they're apparently like great fathers too but behind the scenes, they have that dark side where they view that as their real, like, life. BTK was the most famous one uh, that I heard of. And they just couldn't catch the guy. BTK's, BTK it stands for bound, torture, and kill. And he looks just like a regular guy. And when he was being sentenced, Harsh... Oh,
1: bound, torture, kill. Okay.
0: No, no. I, I guess they made... Uh, no, that's not the guy. Just go on Google and type it in. Uh BTK, right?
1: BTK. And go on. Dennis something. Okay, uh BTK serial killer.
0: Dennis Raider.
1: Dennis Raider Raider, okay. Oh man, this guy looks like you know, someone who's not normal.
0: So he looked like that when he was actually sentenced. But prior to that, he just looked like an average father. Like he looks very like his face looks very seasoned here. But other ones like he doesn't look like that off.
1: Yeah. Let me find something.
0: Yeah, this looks like an average
1: guy. This yeah. doesn't. But a lot of these yeah, you can you know, you can mistake him for a regular person.
0: And when he's just breaking down his crime He's just doing it in such a matter-of-fact way. He's like, "Yeah, yeah, I put the the noose around her neck, uh chopped her legs, and then I just killed her." I'm like, "Dude, do you have emotions? Any remorse,
1: yeah. Any remorse? No."
0: Yeah, and he has two children. So imagine like you you hear, right? "Hey, uh kids, um your father is a serial killer. Uh he's killed a lot of people. Uh but don't be alarmed. Uh you you can still go back to living a normal life." It's like, "How do you do that?" He was in the military. Yeah, and he was also one of those people that activated security alarms in your house. So he knew uh, how to deactivate them as well. And that helped him break into people's houses and uh, tortured them.
1: Uh, His wife got an emergency divorce. Okay. What are your thoughts on this stuff? What are your thoughts on, say, should you be allowed to have a divorce if your husband or wife is a criminal?
0: Should you be allowed to have a divorce? Yeah, man. I mean, you should definitely have a divorce then.
1: No, you. Sh- that's not the question. What I'm saying is that should you be given a divorce? Should you be granted a divorce for this reason? Let's say your spouse is in jail. Mm-hmm. Is that a reason for getting a divorce? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. You don't think so? I mean, isn't marriage supposed to be for life?
0: And this guy's still alive, man. I don't know about the the killer part, man. <laughs> <laughs> Especially nowadays, dude. Like some people will just divorce you because you chew too loud when you eat,
1: <laughs> dude. That's crazy. That's a crazy reason to get a divorce. Come on,
0: <laughs> so people do that, dude. I mean, divorce rates are very high uh, because people they just have so much options nowadays. Where the whole idea of uh, "till death do us apart" is just a slogan for a lot of these people like they want the wedding but they're not ready for the the marriage
1: i think for a lot of these countries nowadays it doesn't make sense to have the concept of marriage in the first place because it's become so diluted that the, ma- the concept of marriage just doesn't exist anymore especially if you can divorce over anything then how is a marriage different from say you know a long-term relationship it's not right mm-hmm Marriage is something that only makes sense if the concept itself is preserved and it's till death do us part or in some extreme circumstance, you are allowed to divorce. But if you can get a divorce over anything and that's what everybody is doing, then why do you even have this?
0: That's true. I I wonder what the future solution is going to be or if there is, you know how anytime Uh, like markets go super on one side eventually it corrects i wonder if there's going to be any form of correction that happens
1: i really really hope that polygamy comes back polygamy polygamy i'll have like 20 wives
0: (laughs) that's still very common in africa from what i've heard
1: yeah but i don't want african wives man come on
0: no not uh, like just the concept of polygamy polygamy where like I had this African roommate who said like when his dad went to Africa to like revisit his roots he came back with like three wives and he sprung <laughs> it on his initial wife the initial wife was like I didn't sign up for this you could barely give me attention now you want <laughs> you want me to share your attention with three other people and yeah, apparently- I want
1: to see his wives the, the three extra wives.
0: Yeah, so. I don't know
1: why, I have a steady stereotypical look in my head when I see, you know, when someone mentions something about Africa, I tend to imagine some tribe and I, I'm not sure this isn't the right view, of course, you know, factually they're like regular people, right? But for some weird reason, when someone says Africa, the thing that comes in my head is like there's a jungle and you have this tribe of people who <laughs> are like barely I, clothed.
0: I think everyone has that for think- places that they've never been before. Right, or they, they have this like this mental map uh, of what they've heard probably from others or from the media, and then like the once they go, like when I think of Egypt, I just picture pyramids, and um, apparently it's like just a regular place, like you there's roads and all of that stuff. But I just picture sand and pyramids, and that's it.
1: Man, have you seen the pyramids? You'd be shocked by how they look like, especially what you can see from the pyramids, you'd be shocked. Have you have you seen the pyramids?
0: I mean I've seen like pictures of it. I've never been there.
1: Okay, so the pyramids are not in the middle of nowhere. Okay. This is I'm gonna share my screen again. So the pyramids are right next to the city. Mm. And you can see the city and the pyramids. Like they're right next to each other.
0: See, I never knew that part.
1: Yeah, I was very surprised. I thought they were like somewhere in the middle of nowhere, but they're right right there.
0: It kind of takes a mystique out of it. I thought it was gonna be cool. I thought it, like I had to take <laughs> some sort of dune buggy to like some secret lair, uh, go like through sand for two hours and then finally see the pyramids.
1: Is it right next to the city? It's literally right next to the city. It's just yeah. there. You're, you have to take a camel, I think, to go there.
0: Yeah, that's what I was expecting, man. Some sort of camels. It's crazy. When were the pyramids made? It's just insane that it was made so long ago with such beauty, such elegance.
1: Come on, man. It's just a pyramid. It's just a bunch of stones piled together.
0: But to construct that, I mean, think about it. Like, apparently those stones are very heavy. There's a lot of these conspiracy theorists that say that aliens helped build the pyramids.
1: See, that's where people don't give our ancestors enough credit, right? They they weren't idiots. They were really, really smart. They just didn't have technology. And Mm -hmm. over a long period of time, they figured a lot of these things out. Let me show you more stuff, okay? Here, have a look at this. Do you see this stuff? Mm -hmm. This is called an aqueduct, and it's used to transport water to say these old roman cities and what have you and after rome fell people just lost you know they just forgot these things they forgot how to build these things and for the longest time they used to think that these were made by giants they had no idea how humans could have made these things they need this to live because this is where the water is coming from like this this actually has the water you need to you know drink drink So they just kept maintaining it, but they didn't know how to make it. And they had no clue how the people in the past could have made this. So they used to think that giants must have made these things. (laughs) So that's the same thing. Like people in the past made this. They weren't idiots. It's just that we don't remember. And it's lost how they built it. Just like to the people a thousand years ago, they didn't know how humans could have built these structures. Right like seen roman roads they were really good
0: roman roads
1: uh uh these were roman roads wow they were really really good
0: Artistic. even indian
1: yeah even indian stuff he was very good back then say um so this is an old civilization in india called harappan civilization and they had drainage systems and everything. And their city was very well planned. Wow. And the only reason they, this kind of like stopped happening here was the, the the river they used to drink from. It vanished. So people had to leave. Gotcha. There was also the Indus Valley civilization. Where India gets its name, its name from.
0: Now those look amazing, what I'm looking at. It just makes you think, man, like we were capable of doing so much even in the past, where there's I mean there were just different processes, but they were able to figure it out. Yeah, so
1: this whole alien stuff that you were telling me, is it's just something that people they've forgotten that our ancestors were intelligent. They weren't morons. Mm-hmm. You know, when people think of people of the past. They think okay, so it was some kind of primitive person, like a chimpanzee or something, not as smart as me, not as emotionally, you know, adept as I am. But even if you go back 10,000 years, the humans that lived there were still modern humans, they were just as smart, they were just as intelligent, they had just the same emotions that you do, they just didn't have technology. But other than that, they were just as clever just as capable just as enterprising as you are as people today are and they could have built this pile of stones
0: Mm -hmm. well that's the powerful thing about studying history because it just you, you you know how you just said like you have this perception of africa it's like i believe that is that for a lot of people who don't study history, myself included, I'm speaking from experience, it's just, we have that default narrative. It's like, man, these guys in the past, they weren't that smart. What could they possibly teach me? Then you actually study history as an adult and you're like, whoa, a lot of these problems that I'm going through now, someone 150 years ago went through the same exact problems. And it's from a different context, but it just proves that, yeah, I mean, they were very intelligent and they did feel emotions and such.
1: Yeah, so when I think of Africa, this is what I think of. And you know, this is something so this is something I need to fix, right? Because Africa is not like this anymore. But like in my mind, when someone says Africa, I'm okay, so there's a black guy wearing his tribe robes and there's like mud hats in the back.
0: Man, I heard from I, I know a lot of individuals go to Africa now to actually just visit. You know, before the cool place to go for your honeymoon and such was in Italy, or just going on a Euro trip. But I do know people that are going to Africa nowadays, and they're like, dude, they're very, very modern now. I can't speak from experience because I've never been there, but apparently, you know, it's much, much different. Uh, These uh, groups that you're showing me, the tribe... What the hell is that? I have no idea. (laughs) See, I'm squeamish. I don't know if that's... uh, Is that something in their lip?
1: Yeah, it's something in their lip.
0: Look, oh, their lip man, is stretching. No.
1: I've heard they used to do things like this to prevent slavers from kidnapping the women. Like, this is going to make them look ugly as hell, so let's do mm. that. Then no one would want to kidnap them. But then it becomes an ego thing, and now I think the bigger the disc is, the you know the prettier the, their tribe considers the girl to be. What? That's yeah, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. See, I don't get it. You see, the standards are so different, right? Like they don't their hair they don't have hair. But here, like in India, if you were bald, you would not be considered like a good looking woman. But I like how fit they are.
0: Yeah, they all like have abs. This one oh, I that's went to a, the oil. Oh, is it a guy it, or a
1: girl? I don't know. I think that's a girl. I think he has boobs. Nah, yeah. I can't tell. She has boobs. I don't know. I don't I can't tell either. I think that's a girl.
0: Yeah, so when when you don't go to a place, like there's this little perception maps that we have of the place. Like as someone who's never been to the US, I wonder what their perception map is. They probably just think like McDonald's and hot dogs, <laughs> maybe Trump.
1: See, that's a perception map of people who've never been in the city because when I talk to people in my village who've never been in a city, that's what they think of the city. They're like, oh, you all just eat pizzas and burgers all day. And that's why you're all fat. No, that's not true, but okay.
0: It's just, um, I-, I saw this hilarious meme that's like, uh, here's what the world thinks of the US. And they literally just showed California, New York, Florida, and everything else. All the other states, they were just like, other. <laughs> like, that's
1: how, Texas, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. How often do you hear of Idaho or Utah? Kansas.
1: See, I've heard of <laughs> Utah, it... but apparently, in uh, in the sense that they kind of marry their cousins, or like they have polygamy in Utah.
0: Probably, I had a manager who got stationed in Utah for a while, and he was telling me about his experience there, where like uh, he had a daughter, and th- they said that if the manager wanted to stay in the community, they needed to. Then he needed to marry off his daughter while she was 13. And this what? guy was like, yeah, so this guy was like this big Brooklyn dude. He's like, man, ain't no one touching my daughter. She's only 13. She's not going to get married now. And then apparently, like a lot of these people in Utah were, like, you know, giving him a hard time. They're just like, hey, uh, you're moving into our territory. You need to adjust to our cultures. And apparently in Utah, like it's very, very different from other parts of the city where Everyone just knows each other. Right? You, you get married young; uh, it's very old school. And um, thirteen is too young, though. It's, it's too young, and um, eventually the manager got out. But he was just telling me he had a very negative opinion of Utah after living there. This is one other place
1: which has similar stuff, like Alabama or something.
0: That's where Matt lives. We should ask him some questions about that.
1: Yeah, I've heard they marry their cousins and sisters and brothers and things like that.
0: Certain parts probably do. Uh, I heard uh, there are certain parts that do.
1: I mean, I've not been to all the states in the US, so I can't confirm this, but...
0: Even even in terms of us in the US, like we have perception maps of our own people. Like, If I go to New York and I'll tell my cousins like, oh yeah, Florida like is fun. They're like, weird stuff happens in Florida. Because anytime <laughs> we, we get like national coverage of something,
1: man. <laughs> it, it's
0: about like uh, like the zombie attack or like people <laughs> e- taking bat salts and eating someone else's face. I'm like, no, no, no trust me, Florida isn't like that. Like, there's only all the alligators in Florida. And it's like that's their perception map. Where well, that's Australia. No, they think that in Florida too. Because a lot of these videos will, will go viral, harsh, where there's a crocodile that's just walking on a street. I'm like, trust me, guys, that doesn't happen all the time. They'll be like, you can't pay me to come to Florida. (laughs) Like they're so sold on the narrative that (laughs) you can't even convince them otherwise at this point. Have you seen Australia? Have you been to Australia? I have cousins in Australia. I I want to go, uh, but I have that sort of mentality. I'm like, I hear you guys have snakes in the grocery store. (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) Snakes and spiders.
0: And they're like, no, 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 we don't. I'm like, you can't pay me to go to Australia. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> are you familiar with the abortions like the native population of Australia
0: Mm-mm. they're the only people
1: to have not invented the bow and arrow really yeah so they're the only people who couldn't come up with the stupid bow and arrow they were messing around with this stupid thing called a boomerang which you, you it hits the thing mm-hmm. and then comes back but it It doesn't pierce the skin of the animal, <laughs> so I don't get it. How can they miss something as simple as a bow and arrow? but they're the only tribe of people who didn't get it.
0: Did they at least get a sword or a dagger?
1: I don't know, I don't know, but so
0: i heard I heard Australia, like the main thing I just know about Australia is that a lot of prisoners from England were sentenced to Australia. And that's why a lot of Australian accents are like England accents.
1: They're much harder to understand than an, you know, the the European accent, the UK accent. Mm-hmm. They're more like they they are different. Yeah, but I I am aware that this was used like a, as a prison where they would just take all these prisoners on a ship mm-hmm. and put them in Australia. Yeah. It's there's... an interesting country, though. It's an interesting country.
0: Apparently, a lot of Indians and Bengalis lived in Australia.
1: I've heard of that, that uh, there's a lot of students there from Australia, like from India. And... Apparently, a
0: lot of Indians and Bengalis live in Singapore. Like, whenever I thought of Singapore, I-, I did not think that's a place that would house a lot of Desi people. But I had this client who's just like, who's like straight up Indian. Uh, and I was like, uh, so what's it like there? Like, do you have to learn a new language? He's like, yeah, you can learn the new language, but there's a lot of Indians here. That's how I met my wife. I was like, for real? Harsh, me and you were taking over, man. <laughs> we're taking all over the world. We're the virus. <laughs> Anyways, we got some questions uh, uh, from uh, before we wrap up. Um, you ready, Harsh? Of course. Go ahead. Okay. So bring the first, them at me. Yeah. So the first one is a, a pretty uh, funny question. So so what are your guys' thoughts on people's ha- having fetishes? Like what are your opinions of them? I've read really crazy stories about some of the things they like. Do you think it's okay or they should improve themselves and control their desires? Yeah. I just want to hear your thoughts on the subject.
1: It depends on the fetish, right? If it's something normal, like, you know, some guy likes boobs or, you know, is not to say, girls who wear high heels, then that's okay. I mean, people can do what they want, but some fetishes are weird.
0: Well, I think fetish, by, by definition, means something weird. If it's, like, oh, boobs, it I, yeah, I don't think, <laughs> if, it, if it's boobs, I don't think that's a fetish. I think that's just... A heterosexual male
1: i mean like something like high heels or short skirts would that be a fetish because i would say that's normal Let
0: Me actually google it because so a fetish is described as a form of sexual desire in which gratification is linked to an abnormal degree to a particular object item of clothing part of the body etc
1: Yeah, so boobs would be a fetish which which kind of like makes sense But there are some weird fetishes, which I don't get. Like, apparently, there's one with feet. Like, I know this girl who has a feet fetish, and she would ask me for pictures of my feet. And I was like, whoa, okay. What? (laughs) I've heard it the other way around.
0: But not... They were asking for your feet. I have
1: good feet. I have, like, strong calves. So... Okay. (laughs) She would ask me for pics of my feet. And at first, I was like, okay, but... Did you it's add something for back? No, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> but it's something that is, I would say, slightly off putting or weird. I don't know. I mean, it's, I would say it's quirky. Like, it's not something I would find disgusting. Like, if some girl wants pictures of feet, I'm like, okay, man, I'll send you some pics. It's fine. Yeah. But it's not something where I would say, I'm not disgusted by it, of course, but yeah. You know, that. if you have. A weird fetish, like you want to suck my toes or something? Like, come on, that's disgusting.
0: Oh, yeah, dude. Like, when I've been hearing about fetishes, like, that's what I picture. Like, a lot of the the weird stuff. And that's, that's always been my understanding. Like, fetish is something that is, like, abnormal Where, like, if you ever watch, like, some of these podcasts and, like, a sex worker comes in, they'll talk about their clientele. And some of their clientele are wealthy CEOs. They have a lot of power in their life. Uh, But in their personal life, they have too much power. So they seek the sex workers to have power taken away from them. So they'll come to these sex workers and it's like, dominate me, like hit me, spank me, kick my balls or something. Uh, uh, And it's it's like, there's actually phrasing for this. It's called a sub and a dom. Uh, So they want to be dominated. So that's the kind of stuff with fetishes that I get. I'm like, man, some of that stuff is weird. That's
1: freaky. That's freaky.
0: Yeah, dude. And uh, um. So I'll tell you about a funny fetish I had. Um, I think like nowadays it's not a big deal. But when I was a kid, like when I was like 16 or 17, uh, like, you know, like this is when like boys are talking about girls. So we're all getting a- around and the other boys in the lunch table are like, Oh, what do you guys like on the girls? And some people would be like, yeah, yeah the boobs. And some people would be like, "Um, oh, I-, I like a very pretty face, nice teeth. And I'm pretty quiet at this point. Uh, you know, and this, uh, I'm like thinking if I should say it and they're like, well, what about you, man? Like, what do you like? And I'm like, I love girls that drive. <laughs> <laughs> and They start, they, they were like curious. They're like drive. Oh, like a motorcycle. Right. Where they're arching their back. They look very hot. Or That's what you're talking about. Right. I'm like, no, uh, like where they drive a car. They're like, drive a car, bro, everyone drives a car. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I didn't know why, but like, let's say a girl was like a seven. And when you're 16 in the US, uh, like that's when you can start driving. But I was 15 at the time. I was always a year younger than my classmates. So something about driving, like I always thought that was cool. I used to like bother my dad. I'm like, Dad. Uh, can you teach me how to drive? Can I get my driver's license? Um, so as a kid, like, whenever I saw like these girls, rather than taking the school bus, they were like, you know, bringing their car. They were leaving whenever they wanted to. Like, I thought there was something cool about it, and it was just something that I found cool. So a lot of the guys were like, "What? Like, th- 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 that's weird, bro." So I guess technically that falls within the definition of a fetish. So, a lot of these fetishes are harsh, like it's tied into some sort of narrative. Another thing with me is like, I like really short girls. And the reason why is because I didn't get a growth spurt up until 11th grade. So, I was five foot three up until I was six, 15, 16. So, I was like, man, I don't want a girl taller than me. So, I would only look at girls shorter than me, like 4'11 to 5'2. So, now as a six foot dude, like if I say, oh, I like girls within 4'11 to 5'3, I don't know if that's a fetish, but it's something abnormal. Mm. Do you have something like that? I, I told you a story. You got to tell me something too.
1: I'm thinking about it, but I would say I have pretty tame desires that way. Like I, I would prefer a taller girl because you know it means my kids would be taller. But I mean, I- I'm telling you, I-, I grew up in such a conservative environment that mm. for me, that a lot of things that aren't even fetishes, but normal for you guys are just disgusting to me. Like, I've heard of, like, anal rimming where some girl will lick your ass or you lick some girl's ass. I'm like, it's disgusting. Like, mm. Like, I'm the guy who can't even have anal sex without a condom. I'm like, that is not... <laughs> I'm not doing that. Who <laughs> comes out of there.
0: Well. <laughs> okay, so the fetish topic is, like... Well, I guess you just proved that there's a certain level of subjectivity to it where some people that are probably listening to this, like, well everyone likes uh girls uh like with their feet right or some people are just like what like that, that's like the last thing i look at so
1: i mean see i like the entire thing like i like girls in general mm-hmm. and i prefer girls with say former boobs and you know long necks and you know good set of teeth good looking fair skin you know the general stuff but I, I don't think I'm excessively. I don't think I particularly care about any one thing. I do like women who have a more traditional, more innocent look than, say, you know, someone who looks extremely modern and has too much makeup.
0: Mm.
1: I'm pretty tame in this thing. I think I'm telling you, I, I, I don't even get how people put their dick in a girl's ass without a condom. Like, <laughs> like do you know, what other stuff comes out of that stuff, right? Like,
0: yeah. The, um... There's this uh, famous prankster girl. I forgot her name. I, I like saw her a few times. Like She said she's uh, releasing an OnlyFans. So uh, people, her friends were like, whoa, you're releasing an OnlyFans? We can't wait. But she only um, uh, posts pictures of her feet. And she apparently makes $12,000 a month. Just nice. pictures of her feet, man. So there's a huge market of dudes that love that sort of stuff. <laughs> Just the fact, like no, no face, n- none of that. So, we need to make some kind of AI algorithm which generates pictures <laughs> of you and
1: then start our own account making $12,000 a month.
0: <laughs> Man, I wonder if girls have that with guys. Where certain, like, what's a fetish that girls have on guys?
1: It's typically biceps. Like, you know, what girls have told me is that they like biceps, they like chest like shoulders.
0: But uh, dude, that's why we have to like I have to ask that initial guy who asked the question like what's the definition of fetish? Because I would expect every girl to like you know, that's the standard measurement. I, I would always think fetish is something that's like abnormal in the fringes. Um so this one girl
1: said that she was a cpo sexual which was like attracted to intelligence. But mm. if you go on Tinder or something every girl seems to claim it. <laughs> it just means that she's a whore.
0: That's the politically correct answer.
1: Yeah, that's a politically correct version of saying I sleep with whoever, but <laughs> thinking, I don't know.
0: Well, the girl that you were talking about who was asking for your feet, I guess girls probably have that fetish too.
1: Yeah, I'm not fully confident if she just does it for fun or if she's actually into it.
0: Or like she's teasing you?
1: Yeah, I tease her sometimes. I'm like, okay, I'll send you some, if you do this, I'll give you a feet pic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: now i'm just pulling up the other questions but that, that that is a very interesting subject um let me think real quick do you have any other thoughts on the subject before i bring up the next no question? i'm done with the subject It's a yeah weird yeah uh, let's move on um so the next one is as i see you both occasionally discuss celebrities i want a discussion on sushant singh Rajput. would be really interesting to see harsh and armand contrasting opinions and debates on this celebrity as this person was international olympia winner in physics but still chose acting as harsh thinks actors are jokers
1: i've heard of this name but i don't know anything about him i think he either died or committed suicide or was murdered or something because for a while like, he was all over the media thing, but I I don't know anything about him. I don't know what he looks like, I don't know what movies he made, so I can't comment on him.
0: Well, um I didn't recognize the name, but I recognize the face. Uh, I'm pretty sure I've seen a few of his movies before, and you know my opinion on this is pretty you know stagnant. Uh, I, I do think there takes a certain level of craft to. Um, do acting to construct a personality out of thin air um so uh, to answer the gentleman's question i would say uh i mean i would say this is uh talented i mean if you're also capable of doing physics uh, that means you're showing proficiency in left brain right brain um you're creative you're artistic I, i think that's what makes a whole whole dude so i mean I had no clue he died and unfortunately he died by suicide too at 34. No, it's
1: disputed. It was disputed where I
0: dispu- oh, just I'm just reading Wikipedia.
1: Some people say he died by suicide and others say he kind of was murdered by the mafia but I have no idea whatsoever. I didn't follow it. I think I thought it was stupid that it was in the news for so long.
0: Mm. Oh, it was in the news for very long.
1: Yeah, because my family would watch the news sometimes and I'm like, okay, so this hasn't gotten over yet.
0: And on Twitter people would... Go ahead. Do your parents watch a lot of the mainstream news?
1: Not really, but sometimes.
0: Do they ever watch
1: the Bollywood movies? Not really. They're more into YouTube now. Really? Yeah, I got them the YouTube premium thing.
0: Nice. Do do your parents ever watch Unapologetic Truths?
1: (laughs) i doubt it <laughs> see it's in english you No, know? if it was in hindi then they would watch
0: it oh okay we should one day get a lot of these episodes and translate it into different languages like mr beast can you speak hindi no
1: ah uh, okay we could do a hindi episode maybe i don't know
0: <laughs> i'll speak in bangla you speak in hindi i feel like it's still...
1: similar it's similar
0: yeah i feel like you'll still understand me when i'm speaking right
1: i will understand you mm-hmm. can you speak something in bangla
0: to me, Kemon Nacho. That's it the most basic thing. How are you? Yeah.
1: Yeah, but see, it's confusing, right? The word nacho means dance in Hindi.
0: So I kind a-cho. of got
1: it from the Oh, acho, acho. Okay. okay I heard Nacho.
0: Nacho. Nacho means dance. You know you mean to me, Kemon Acho. To me, on Florida See,
1: I didn't get that. I know the first word means you to me. But the rest of it, I had no idea.
0: I, I said, now, when are you coming to Florida?
1: Ah, now no, see, that's a complex sentence, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. So I wasn't
1: expecting Florida in there.
0: <laughs> so we definitely can have an episode <laughs> with me speaking Bangla. Man, I used to get roasted, and I still do get roasted by people who speak Bangla very well, because I speak it in a very like a American accent.
1: Ah, man. Ah. Yeah, see, the Indian languages, they don't do well with Western accents.
0: And I guess vice versa is true too. Yeah, the you, vice versa you, is true too. Because I recall you brought up, um, you know, you got the voice coach so the Western audience can understand. Um, but opposite, like whenever I speak Bangla, uh, a lot of the adults will be like, haha, say more things. Like the way you speak Bangla entertains <laughs> me. <laughs> <laughs> no, what <am> I, <laughs> okay, so, um, so the next question is, Uh, It's a part two to the question we answered last time. It was by Puneet who was talking about uh, dating while in India in his 20s. Does that Mm -hmm. question ring a bell? Okay. So as we were talking, we were asking for a little bit more context and he provided more. He said, sorry for not giving more context, but I wasn't thinking about getting late or hookup, but only for experience and mid to long term relationships with someone I am interested in to see what I like or don't like in someone and how does a relationship progress? Can you reply here briefly if possible or just put the question in next episode?
1: See, at the end of the day, at your age, a relationship is about getting laid. And everything else is just something you can learn at any point in the of time. It's not something you need experience in. It's not something that is difficult to learn. You can learn that very easily in one relationship or two. So you can do it later. The only point, well, the only reason why you would have a relationship at your age is that you want to get laid, because otherwise it's just a waste of time. So my recommendation would be still the same as the one I gave you earlier.
0: But what if he doesn't want to get laid? and He just wants to get his first girlfriend.
1: What's the point of having a girlfriend?
0: <laughs> Out of curiosity, like when you say like it's better to do this later, do you have like a rough age? Because I think he's nineteen. Do you think he should be waiting till his? Like 22, RB20,
1: 23, 22.
0: maybe, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that, that, I would say that's... um. When you're done with the education, at least. Yeah, I mean, this, this question is definitely in harshest lane because there is a difference in terms of how relationships are built, I'm assuming from the East and the West, where the West, it's a little bit quicker, where, like, let's say you're not living home, you're in a dorm, you could get in a relationship And you'll get the experience, like understand phrases like honeymoon experience, understand what it's like to be in love or not to be in love. I do believe it matures you. I do believe it gives you more perspective if that's what you're looking for. Uh, But, you know, the age is subjective. I mean, you're 19. Um, I don't know, Harsh. I mean, I probably...
1: uh, So you can learn that stuff two years on the line when you're done with your education. You don't really need to know this right now, right? When do right people now, get done, uh, roughly, uh, with 21, education? 21,
0: 21.
1: Okay. Because right now, that's what your focus needs to be on. If you get distracted with these things, it's going to compromise your education, and that's not worth it. I mean, my father got married when he was in his, you know, almost 30, and he mm-hmm. never had a girlfriend or anything, and he's still a great father. He's still a great husband. So you don't really need experience when you're, like, 17, 18, 19 to know these things this is some simple stuff that anyone can figure out in one relationship mm-hmm. and it's not some groundbreaking reality that you will discover what's likely to happen is that you're going to fall in love or have a breakup and it's going to affect you and your education which is going to cost you for the rest of your life
0: good um let us know if we answered you guys' questions if you guys want more follow-up Or if you guys have any questions, uh, be sure to post it in the comment section right on below. We'll bring it up in the next episode.
1: And there was this one guy who had a question about my startup, right? I don't want to talk about it because it's gonna get me docked slightly. So we're gonna ignore that question, unfortunately. But I I can answer certain parts of it if you want to ask me the question.
0: Sure. Uh, So let me just pull it up. So Harsh, can you tell us more about your SaaS business? Like, how did you get the idea? How is it doing in terms of MRR? Also, how do you find your potential customers and how do you reach out and pitch to them? I know it's a slightly loaded question, but I'm really curious and want to learn about it.
1: See, I won't get, get too much into the business because I don't want to talk to myself, but the way we get clients is by cold email. That's it. <laughs> That's all the answers I'm willing to give right now.
0: How did you learn cold email? You just self-taught or course?
1: We have a co-founder who is into marketing. Okay. So she really knows her cold email stuff. That's how I learned cold email was from her.
0: And you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but would you say cold email is dead or is still doing good? It does
1: amazingly well. It does really, really well. I mean, our emails are not completely cold. We personalize some lines of it, but... It's it's free and it brings so much money in. So it's not dead by a long shot.
0: Rough percentage of how many people you hit up and how much you get a lead or how much it really depends
1: on the list you're emailing, right? Or um, how much you personalize the email. But you know, if you can send out a thousand emails in a day and get like five, six customers easily. Hmm. so it pays really well for something that's free
0: yeah is this your first ever time experimenting with cold email or did you have experience based off your, your other businesses
1: purely cold mass market email this would be my first time
0: interesting cool uh, i think you answered a good amount of surya's question <laughs>
1: Yeah, I hope that helps him, man. I don't want to dox myself over something. So unfortunately, I will not be going into the details of it.
0: Nice. Well, this was a very fun episode. I mean, if you guys have any other questions, uh, be sure to bring it up um, and post it. We'll read it off and we'll bring it up in the next episode.
1: Yeah, guys, have a good day. And we'll see you guys in two weeks.
0: Take care.